submitted for your consideration. Man has always challenged nature, thinking that they contain the elements. But what happens when nature changes the rules and fights back? This is a Nature vs. Man 2 for one literary licensed podcast episode exploring science fiction and horror and weighing the outcomes of a dying planet with your co-hosts Keith Chalko, John Wilson, Vicki Ray, and Jesse Fultz. Man will forever be changed. Hello, welcome to Literary License Podcast, and today we're doing the 2002 British post-elastic horror drama called 28 Days Later, and the sequel 28 Weeks Later, which I want to keep calling 28 Months Later for some reason. Uh, you do, I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, like no, no, no. it took 28 months for them to remake <laughs> So before we get started, let's find out who's with us. First, we have Vicki Ray. Hello, Vicki. Hey, everybody. And John Wilson. Hello, John. Hi, folks. And myself, Kishago. And before we go any further, let's find out what we've been up to since last time we spoke. And starting with John, what have you been up to since last time we've seen you? I have been house hunting, trying to find a new home. I am. Cool. It is the time to move out of the city. I've been here for 18 years in New York City. And though it has been sweet, it is time for me to move on. So I've been focusing on that. I also finished watching Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, uh, the Adventures of, sorry, the Adventure, Adventures, how do you say Sabrina. Adventures of Chilling, Adventures of Sabrina or the something. Chilling Adventures of Because I don't want to be confused by the original. Um, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the ending could have been better. I don't want to I didn't like away. the ending at all. I, I, I think it just could have been better. And they, I think it just, you try to wrap things up so quickly yeah. and, and finish that things. That was pretty and, abrupt ending, kind of, yeah. sort of. I didn't see that one coming. I did like the season, though. I thought it was fun and and just really whimsical. The Eldritch Terrors. Yeah, and I hope that that they continue to do something else. I think it'd be great for them to explore other avenues if they're, you know, potentially going to do another series. And the other thing is I just finished um, uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which was fantastic. The storytelling in it is beautiful. I cried multiple times. It's the new Zelda game, but it's... it's, The mechanics are it's a fighter's game, but it's... um, it's Hyrule Warrior, so you can play any of the characters, but there's this beautiful story that's involved in um, that ties in sort of Breath of the Wild, which is a beautiful right. in itself. But they do a great job, again, not trying to spoil anything. They do a great job doing a side off that hopefully leads to something else down the road. So gotcha. yep, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sabrina, I, I've only watched the first three, but. I have to sit there and say, they don't look like they're enjoying themselves this season. Do you know what I mean? There's always yeah. like this, there's this closeness and this familiarity with them. And you can tell that they're filming it and they're really getting into it and they're all having a lot of fun. And yeah. this one, I don't know, is kind of lacking some kind of camaraderie. Wait that, till you get towards going... the mid of the fourth season. You see that just a little bit more. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah you, you do see it later. I think there is, I think one of the biggest problems is they you know it's good for sabrina to be precocious but she sometimes is very annoying and you get to you know you get to each episode and you're like 
it's a she's the motivator for bad things to happen. And you're yeah. like, really? Like, why can't just bad things happen? But she becomes a motivator for that. And everything, and, um, especially yeah. in this season. Yeah. I yeah. love the aunties. I love the aunties. The aunties yes. are fantastic. I love each of those characters. In fact, I wish they would just do a show with them because they would be fantastic. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, we were <laughs> having you never a... know. That's how yeah. they kind of left it. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. had a conversation about this. Um, at the last podcast uh, and I have to think I have to sit there and say that I has I think it has the problem when you have a show that's named after a main character yeah, whether it's maybe. Buffy or Sabrina or so on and so forth is that you always have that one the main character always becomes always annoying like Buffy yeah. was I love Buffy but Buffy was really annoying at times yeah. and it's like it got to the point where it's just like come on I'd rather see someone else and see Buffy go through her oh yeah. I'm so da 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 and I, have, I've, I think maybe that's that's well, probably... they victimized her so much. Well, it's no, she played the reluctant hero overly. Like, it, you get to a point where you accept your destiny, move on, fight fight the bad guys. But she became, like like Keith was saying, was every season became, I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? I have to do this. And then, you know, she dies, and then she comes back, and then she's like, I don't want to do this. How come I'm doing this? Why am I doing this? And, and telling your friends that you don't know what it's like. And yeah, then, you don't understand how it's a great power with great responsibility. Okay, and then you, so, so you always end up having all of these strong supporting actors supporting yeah. this main character who's moaning all the time and that's uh, sabrina's yeah. a little bit like that as well yeah you might be right on that note yeah so what about yourself vix what have you been up to i don't know i've been getting at all these weird australian zombie flicks i kind of am liking them they're really the the australians are great and the yeah. blood cannons and everything you know oh, be, did you watch nasty. brain dead with peter jackson the peter jackson uh, film. yeah i saw that one too but i watched um what was it called wormwood Oh, Worm was good. Worm yeah, was really and good. I was like, I didn't think I was going to like it, but I couldn't stop watching it. The zombies were fantastic, and I liked how, you know, they made that main character. She's like the zombie queen thing. She was controlling all the zombies towards the end. But, and what else did I watch? Oh, I started watching Stephen King Stan on CBS All Access, even though I'm using, I didn't pay for that, but I found <laughs> new and exciting ways, new and exciting ways to watch online. But, yeah, um, me too. I, but um yeah i mean i i was all all geared up to hate it but i'm really actually liking it and i his name's eluding me for flag um Um, alexander skosgard yeah Yeah, oh my god i love him perfect flag i love him i'm already good i'm already in love with him but uh yeah and i finished watching sabrina i was kind of i liked it but towards the end i thought it was too abrupt the way they they try to finish it up and then i watched um the cured which was a kind of a different take on a zombie apocalypse it was about uh how they uh these 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 people were zombies prior but they were cured and there was like five to twenty thousand they couldn't cure and it was about how they were released back into the population and how everybody looked at them like scum and whatever it's them you know how they're oh interesting yeah they were they they didn't want and he didn't want to know parts of these people that were re-released that when they found a cure to the zombie apocalypse, you know, but the thing is, with the cured is they remember being zombies and they remember doing what they did to people. Oh. It, it's kind of, it, it's kind of a weird sleeper movie, but people might like it. And for some weird reason, I watched the devil's pass. It was about the, um, those hikers that disappeared. And, um, Oh, in that Russian forest, I'm losing my, the Ural mountains. And that there was that they never found out what happened to them. They and, disappeared, or yeah, they just disappeared. in 1952. I think they found their bodies like a mile away from camp, 
It was just weird, and they they think it could have been anything from aliens to the. Oh, that's the one that it was all snowy, and then um, and some of them had their clothes on, and some of them didn't have their clothes on, and that one. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. But it and was an interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting, and I watched quarantine because you know how when you get on, especially Amazon Prime, it says customers also watched. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, it's like oh well, this looks good. So that, that's what qu- quarantine is the U.S. remake of Wreck, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe so. But it was pretty good. But I'm waiting for the next edition of the stand because I'm already a captive fan. So, mm. what about you? And myself, um, I started watching The Stand. I do like it. Um, I think it's cinematically a lot better than the original TV movie. Well, of course. The only problem I have, the sort of thing, is that I'm not quite, I'm not a fan of the bouncing about back and forth. No, I don't think it's linear <laughs> like me and you were talking about. Yeah, I think if I think if it was linear. I think that the the virus that takes over the world and starts killing off 99% of the population, I think would have a bit more meaning to it and has a little bit more. Cause I have to remember like, and when I read the book, the stand, right. Um, the begin, I mean the best part. It's of all about stand, captain actually. trips. Yeah. 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 And what you know, how it spreads, you know, cause you got like, you know, the guy escapes with his family and then he stops at a um, gas station and then he meets this person going to Chicago who's getting on a plane and, and you can see how it starts spreading. And that right. person talks to yeah. this person, that person, and you, you see the whole web and it gives you the full, you know, the full impact. But here right. where they're bouncing back and forth from the story. It's confusing. Like I said, if you didn't see the first forth. one or you didn't read the book, you might get a little lost. I think the first one too bounced around. And I think it's it's also hard because unless you literally time stamp or place stamp everything, it's like, here's, this is what's happening here. This is what's happening here. This is what, like, it does get really confusing. Well, they do. They say five months prior or whatever. Yeah, so what, what they do here is they take each character each, each chapter is a character. So like Franny, for instance. Yeah. So basically it starts off in Boulder, Franny yeah. and Boulder, and then it jumps back in time to, to, Maine. Ja- yeah. to Maine. And then, and then, and then it bounces, and then it bounces a little bit forward to where they meet someone. Then it bounces a little bit forward. And then the next story would be, you know, Stu. So it bounces when he's in the institution and oh, then it bounces okay. back to the um, yeah then that's different from track. when i think that's different from the novel then because i remember bit, it being yeah. more chronological versus yeah. time and, jumpy like it was people jumpy it wasn't time jumpy if i remember correctly yeah, right. yeah. yeah this one's really hard East... to follow too though it was yeah. a long book well oh, yeah. the book the book is i mean the book does suffer from stevie king itis a little bit where a little bit. The, it's so fantastic and then you get to the ending and like what the so I, know. <laughs> I, mean, I remember reading really? it going are you serious like really and then it's like oh wait he's done this to me before many a times like you get to the end and you're like that's it that's are you fucking end. kidding me yeah. <laughs> i know like, there's no satisfaction as you all know I, I hate it when i can't i but i think he's he wants you to not be satisfied you know there's I think so. a great example is a dark tower series and oh it gives God. you it gives you an out it gives you an out to say if you stop here you'll be happy. Yeah. But it's that Pandora's box. You can't help but open the next oh, chapter yeah. and read yeah. it and you go, well, fuck. <laughs> like, <you're> like, <laughs> well, he does that. I mean, Stephen King does that a lot. And it always reminds me of those um, Bloomfield, what is it? Bloomfield film, horror films? Bloomfield. No, wait. Yeah. No, no, Bloom you're House. talking about Clover. Oh, I thought the, you meant Cloverfield. No, the, the Bloomhouse horror Bloom films. It's like, whether it's Conjuring or, all those, all those, a lot of films are Annabelle or whatever, and they're like really good. And then you get the last ten minutes, and like really, 
I know. Yeah. I belong to all these horror groups. They're always saying, don't do the Bloom House. Don't you do know what I think it is, too, is I think with some stories, you it's it's a rush at the end, right? Like you spend so much time painting this beautiful canvas and you're at that last corner of the of the canvas and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, screw it. You know, you're just like plopping, you know, and versus like, like, did you give, what I would say as a writer, do you give it a consideration of, the beginning and the end you know what the end's going to look like you know what the beginning is going to look like and just fill it in between right or do you just write it as it comes out of you and you say well this is a, these are the characters i know this is a story i'm trying to tell i don't know what their ending is yet i'll just wait to get there and if that's the case that's where that that's what happens right you're like oh i don't know what's going to happen with carrie she can either go ballistic and kill everyone or i don't know maybe she'll just be fine you know <laughs> like yeah i know. think it's because they, there's the exposition isn't it so when they try to explain yeah. it and then trying to like sometimes i don't think you need to explain things let the give the audience a little bit of credit here sort of yeah thing. Yeah. Show don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what else have been watching? Um, Fran Labowitz. Um, I got to start watching Netflix, that. I... Which is directed. It's a eight part series, which each episode is about thirty minutes. She's fantastically Love obnoxious. All about life in New York City. Fantastic. You'd she like gives it, a John. really interesting. She gives a really interesting look on it, and I have to sit what, there. And what say, is it again? What is it called? It's um. I can't remember the name of the series, but it's about Fran Labowitz. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. It's really funny, very sweet. She goes around New York and talks about, you know, what New York used to be and what New York is now. And and um, she she's like a kindred spirit to me. So she's all quite she's negative. She's so obnoxious, but she's so good at it. She's so good at it. She hates. She just hates people. So that's yeah. I mean. Basically, she, she hates everybody. A true yeah. New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, pretend it's a city. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Pretend city. And she used to. Um. She used to write for Interview Magazine, and she's and she's written books and stuff like this. But she's she's a really interesting character. And I, I used like, to love Interview Magazine when I was like in my twenties. I remember getting yeah. that and just being fascinated by. And I love the size of it as well because it's yeah, a really good the size. big eleven yeah. by seventeen. I think. Oh, yeah. that's right. I totally forgot. It's about yeah. That. Well, and a- it's funny because Carrie, the Carrie Diaries, which is a cute little show that came before or. That was her growing up. Right. She gets a job at Interview. Like that's her first writing job is working at Interview Magazine. And I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I had a subscription to that. It's kind of weird though. It's kind of something you read in your twenties, and then you get to a certain age, and you just stop getting it. It's kind of yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess like the National Enquirer and you think somebody actually did kill that human sized grasshopper. You know, that guy standing there with a gun and the grasshopper. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Or baby with two heads. (laughs) (laughs) I was impregnated by aliens. (laughs) Now you're getting into Enquirer. But then, um, but I mean, overall, I've been watching Bits and Bobs. The Circle on Netflix was probably the best reality programming you ever want to know. If you want to know about social media, watch oh my God. this. Watch These this. Um, are... get, watch this game show. It's fantastic. It'll teach you about what people are like, and it's really interesting. So kind I really of nut like that. jobs, basically. Um, not nut jobs, but it tells you how. Well, how they have social... no. All they get, they can only communicate through social media. Yeah, but but that's how most people communicate nowadays. Yeah, like that's the, true. Sure. Well, we're all nut jobs. So and you, so you don't really know who is on the other end of the screen and you don't. and, and you how don't. everyone you know and it's quite interesting because it does show you like as far as that 
you know, it's a bit like that Netflix one about the the man who murdered his wife and children. And basically, as far as her social media is, oh, they're the most perfect family. But oh, then yeah. when you scratch the yeah. surface, yeah. And I always, and I always find that people who try to paint themselves on social media is happier than their and happier than a game show hostess. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder what's actually going behind her. You know, spending a lot yeah. of time filtering their pictures or so on and so forth. But it's it's an interesting exercise, and it's they based have on the channel. countries too. Yeah, it's based on the Channel 4 um, English programming. It started here first. So, but yeah, sort of so like the, that. what is it, Love Island? My God, my daughter loves Love Island. It's just like she goes, it's like, how? <laughs> no more Love know. Island. I'm, I'm repelled by any reality television because I just, I know the mechanics enough now because it's been on for so long that it's all, you know, it's set up to get you hooked in, right? And like it's set up to see like these fights happen, or you know, you're my friend now, you're not my friend, and you know, it's like all that. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I, I think um, for me, the only problem I have with Love Island is people who are looking for a career in media. That's yeah. what my problem is. That's what they're looking for. Or in this country, I mean, because it, it's a, a show in this country. And then what happens is, and then they start taking like, and then they'll pop up in Love Island. Then they'll do Celebrity Big Brother, like they're celebrities or something. Well, the Love Island up. in the UK is far seedier than the Love Island in the United States. So, I mean, if I'm going to watch Love Island, I'm going to watch the UK Love Island yeah. before yeah. I watch the American one. Well, now, I always found, I always found greed, like the UK versions, because you're getting a little bit more authentic, whereas everything in the u.s is censored so you're not getting you're getting like what they want you to see as a network right. to see what you're seeing you're not going to get everything well, see, the only problem community. i have with these reality game shows whether it's love island or big brother or so on so far right. is that once they do the show i don't want to see them afterwards i don't want them yeah. to be a celebrity they keep they coming can't back do doing their instagram and everything else yeah. and their twitter and i, I can't and they're and, and that's and the thing is their egos thing. are so inflated it's insane well, then they end up doing the MTV one where they're on an island and there's something else. You know what I mean? And then they, you know, then they start popping up in these other reality um, game show yeah. thingies, and they're like, "Oh God!" So yeah, the young people like it. I don't remember if you remember the show Average Joe. That was another one long time ago, and that show, I just, I was like, I can't believe anyone watches this. I can't believe I'm watching this, but it was about, it was Mama Mama Boys. There, it was the mother had to help their son pick. Who their spouse would be that would, like, that would rub my laster bra and it, it was it started with a group of men picking women and then it whittles down to one man and one woman basically but that he the guy ends up picking the girl that the mother doesn't even like and she's like uh you know uh, was in Playboy, was like, you know, like, it's like, of course it's going to pick her. I mean, hello. <laughs> like, he's like, gonna pick not gonna Mo- like her. he's going to pick Molly Sue, who is like, you know, the perfect <laughs> picture, you know, daughter-in-law, you know. And, and pick- let's face it, we all go after people our parents don't like. That's yeah, what we are exactly. attracted to. Yeah. It's like, if they want to be our parents' best friend, we're like, nah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. It's like because the reason why you don't want to pick someone that your parents are really friendly with is because the thing is, not only is your you, let's say you have an argument with the other half, so they're bitching at you. Then they're telling your then they have a closer relationship than um, with your parents than you do. So then they're bitching about you, and then your parents are bitching about your relationship yeah. to you. So no, it's just like no. no, it's an endless circle. And outside of that, out of watching Bits and Bobs, I've been watching a lot of great Spanish movies on Netflix at the moment. I saw one that basically I was laughing and then I was crying my eyes out. It was called um, 
Live Twice, Love Once. Fantastic. Watch it. It is about a guy with Alzheimer's and he and he's starting to lose his memories and he That finds... already sounds sad. It's sort of like Oh, but it, it's so but it's but it's so funny at the same time. It's done with humor as well. And it's about and basically um he's got this memory of this girl that he saw on the pier when he was a young boy and he had a quick, so he wants to find her to find out if she's ever thought of him. And then, um, and then his family go along uh, reluctantly, his daughter, um, uh, son-in-law and the granddaughter and they go along and it's really funny and it's really touching and it's sad, but then it's really, it's uplifting and it's so fantastic. It's one to watch. So, but and then besides that, I've been playing a lot of Dragon Quest and getting to the end of that finally. So that's taken me a quite a 90 hours of gameplay so far. So, yeah. <laughs> but besides that, yeah, that's pretty much it. Back to work. Had my COVID injection. So getting my second one in March. So, yes. Nice. So is a month apart or is it a little over? 12 weeks. 12, 12 weeks. weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's quite good. So what we're going to do now, we're going to cut to Story Geek, who's going to tell you what you can watch and what you can download or stream during the COVID crisis. So take it away, Story Geek. What should you watch the week of January 11th? I'm Jay Shear, co-writer of the supernatural steampunk western Death of a Bounty Hunter here behind me on the wall, which, by the way, just made the ScreenCraft Cinematic Book Competition's quarterfinals so we're really excited about that and i hope you have had a chance to go check it out you can pick up your copy at deathofabountyhunter.com now this year there's been a lot of new streaming content already out that is available to you and i just wanted to catch you up on what you can watch now on the various streaming channels as of january so i'll also give you if i've seen it i'll give you a recommendation about whether or not you should actually watch it let's go ahead and jump into netflix netflix has added spring breakers which i have not seen i did hear that it did get good reviews it has a 63 on metacritic not really my kind of movie the girl with the dragon tattoo the history of swear words hosted by nick cage which I have watched a couple of, and it's entertaining. It's edited well. Bonnie and Clyde, Catch Me If You Can, which is a phenomenal movie that you should definitely watch if you have not seen. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Cobra Kai Season 3. I've heard really good things about Cobra Kai, but have actually not seen it myself. Cool Hand Luke, The Departed, which I think is a fantastic movie. Enter the Dragon, Goodfellas, Into the Wild, Julie and Julia, Mud, The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad, hilarious. You should definitely go watch The Naked Gun. Super bad, also funny, but not for the kids. And finally, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. So go check out all of those movies over on Netflix. My biggest recommendation for Netflix is either going to be Catch Me If You Can, which I think is phenomenal, or it'll be The Departed, which is also really, really good. Let's go jump over to Amazon Prime. Here are some of the movies and TV shows added to Amazon Prime. Climate of the Hunter, Herself, Gretel and Hansel, Happy Face, White Lie, 1900, Arachnophobia, this is the first movie I've actually seen, uh, Bloody Sunday, Broken Arrow, The Brothers McMullen, Cloverfield, The Cooler, Donnie Brasco, Dr. Strangelove, Escape from Alcatraz, Eve's Bayou, Face Off, which by the way, Face Off has an 82 from Metacritic. I find that kind of shocking, but also that was a very iconic movie. So maybe go back and watch Face Off. In and Out, The Last of the Mohicans, obviously a great film. The Longest Yard, Major League, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. I don't think a lot of people saw that movie, but that movie was pretty good. Peggy Sue Got Married, Places in the Heart, Salt, 
Soul Food, Star Trek Beyond, Starman, The Town, The Truman Show, and Wonder Boys. Out of all of those, I might go back and watch Face Off, honestly. I can't believe that it has that high of a score on Metacritic. It is a super strange film. And why we would ever believe that Nick Cage and John Travolta could just swap faces and we just go with it, I don't know. But hey, why not rewatch it? Time to check out what's over on Disney+. Plus. They added a show called Marvel Studios Legends. All it is is clips from different TV and movie properties of your favorite heroes, kind of reintroducing them. So they have a couple out right now for Vision and uh, Wanda because WandaVision is coming out on January 15th. Star Wars Forces of Destiny Seasons 1 and 2 has now come out as well on Disney+. Plus. Toy Story That Time Forgot. I have not watched this yet. It's a TV special, and I sounds good. I mean, all Toy Story stuff is pretty darn good. They do a really good job with that stuff. It has an 81 on Metacritic, so it might be worth checking out. Earth to Ned added Season 1 Part 2. That show's just a little too weird for me. Horton Hears a Who also came out, and The Wolverine, which has a 61 on Metacritic. That's The Wolverine from 2013, where he goes to Japan. And finally, coming to Hulu... Gretel and Hansel, 1900, Arachnophobia, Austin Powers in Goldmember, pretty funny movie. Blade Runner, the final cut. There's too many different cuts of Blade Runner out there right now. But it does have an 84, and Blade Runner is a great film. If you haven't revisited it in a while, I would go check it out. Blood Diamond, Bloody Sunday, Boogie Nights, Breakdown, Broken Arrow, The Brothers, McMullen, Changing Lanes, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Cloverfield, The Cooler, Crazy Stupid Love, Dead Poets Society, The Dead Zone, Donnie Brasco, Escape from Alcatraz, Eve's Bayou, Face Off is also available here on Hulu. The Foot Fist Way, The Gift, Hell or High Water, which I think is fantastic. If you haven't seen Hell or High Water and you kind of like modern day westerns, that would be right up your alley. Hot Shots, In and Out, Internal Affairs, The Last of the Mohicans, The Director's Cut, The Longest Yard, Love and Basketball, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, bit of a throwback there. Places in the Heart, The Princess Bride. If you went for a movie with the kids, I mean, Princess Bride, you cannot go wrong. Salt, Save Yourselves, Selena, Shrek, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Beyond, Starman, Super Dark Times, The Truman Show, Wonder Boys, and Young Adults. So there you go. And don't forget our novel, Death of a Bounty Hunter, is out now as a novel or a full cast audiobook. It is a supernatural steampunk thriller. If you like the Dark Tower series from Stephen King, you're bound to like what we're doing here. Go check it out at deathofabountyhunter.com. In the meantime, I hope you have fun watching movies and TV shows wherever you can find them. Hello, welcome back to Literary License Podcast, and now we're discussing 28 Days Later, which is a 2002 British post-apocalyptic horror drama film directed by Danny Boyle and written by Alex Garland, and starring Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Christopher Eccleston, Megan Burns, and Brendan Gleeson. The plot depicts the breakup breakdown of society found the accidental release of a highly contagious virus and focuses upon the struggle of four survivors to cope with the destruction of life they once knew while evading those affected by the virus. 
The film received critical acclaim. Many praised Boyle's direction, the performance, screenplay, atmosphere, and soundtrack. Despite Boyle not considering it a zombie film, 28 Days Later is credited with reinvigorating a zombie genre of horror film with its fast-running zombies and character-driven drama. It's also a financial success, grossing more than $82.7 million worldwide on its modest budget of $8 million, and became one of the most pro- profitable horror films of 2002. It was followed in 2007, a sequel to 20, 28 Weeks Later, a graphic novel titled 28 Days Later, The Aftermath, which expands on the timeline of the outbreak, and 2009 comic book series titled 28 Days Later. In 2017, a poll of 150 actors, directors, writers, producers, and critics for Time Out Magazine ranked it the 97th best British film ever. So before we discuss 28 Days Later, let's, let's listen to the trailer. Welcome back to Literally Likes the Podcast, and we're discussing 28 Days Later. So, John, what are your thoughts of 28 Days Later? Um, I love it. I don't know if I would call it a zombie movie, just because of the fact that it is, like, to me, more of, like, a contagion movie because of yeah. the way the virus works. I, I don't know if they ever really establish it, like, you get your well, throat ripped out, are you dead, dead? Or <laughs> are you, do you get your throat ripped out and you're dead? And so I think it's it like, depends oh, it's, on how much they eat you. I, I mean, because it's like weird. Like, but I, I love uh, the, I mean, A, you know, Walking Dead totally ripped off the beginning of this film. Oh, definitely. Totally. <laughs> uh, B, I don't know if that's ever been addressed. C, I um, noticed that. I noticed that. I, I was sitting there thinking that. When when I start, I go, wow, this is like The Walking Dead. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. I And I just remember this film, too, when I first saw it when it came out, was that concept of just waking up in a world where, like, no one's around and you know something really horrible has happened. That in itself is just terrifying. Right. 
and knowing like, you know, this person's just like trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Imagine that happening to you. It was like terrifying. Um, I just, I love the way it's stylistically shot too. That's a rare thing. And I actually wished more directors and producers would do and use that style and the tightness of the shots in the face. And it just feels like it's done with a camcorder, which a lot of it was, I think. Um, and uh, just very digital. Yeah. And it just gave such a intimate sort of relationship between the actors and the, and the camera. And so really, really loved uh, this film and, I'm hoping they do, because I know we'll talk about the next film, but I'm hoping right. they continue this story because it, it, to me, has a lot of room to breathe, if you will. Like, with it focuses on specifically London, but then, you know, it's like, to me, it's like, what about the rest of the world? And you don't really don't get a glimpse into that because everything is so tight and focused on these characters um, trying to survive. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, I guess, again, I said this this film... I love contagion films too, because of the fact that where it starts and, and the unfortunate thing is <laughs> these four people who are trying to do something good, <laughs> which is like <laughs> free these animals from being tested. Oh, it's I like know. in all good, good intentions, really don't shitty things it. can don't happen. <laughs> and then it's like, but don't, and it's too late. And you're like, Oh God. <laughs> See, that's the moral of the story. Liberals are going to fuck up the world. If you let them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the moral of the story is, it's like, just leave shit alone. And like, Precisely, you know, yeah. <laughs> Mind your own effing business. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you get activists involved in things. Sometimes they kind of go a bit too far, but um, Boy, what happened to Wuhan for all. You know? <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> Let a bat out. Ooh, no. <laughs> Let the bats out. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, what's quite interesting in this actually is, um, you know, this actually fits in really well with, you know, when man screws with nature, nature yeah. has a way of screwing back. And that's what's quite interesting. But I mean, it is quite bizarre watching these viruses and we were discussing the stand earlier. But then, of course, 20 right. days later, when you look at these viruses and the way that they spread and aren't we living in like this it kind of world much. at the moment? It, it, is, sort of thing. it does pretty much. It really resonates in this time in our lives, don't you think? These movies. Did I we plan like the, this I, before <laughs> this happened? I can't remember. Well, I, think I did, mean, actually. I have to say, um, when we started season three back in September, I think our first our first um, episodes for that month were disease disease themed. We had Mask of the Red Death. Um, and then we did Longtime Companion, and then we did right. that other one about the disease as well, um, something in the dark sort of thing. So I don't know. I mean, it looks like, um, I don't know, maybe we, I, so I'm kind of worried about what we're going to do for season five, whether we need to be very, very careful. <laughs> Alien invasion, everyone look to the sky. <laughs> just, just in case that there, there's something here, but yeah. I mean, it's quite, but it's, I mean, what's quite, what I quite like about this film, I mean, you know, I you know this this actually gets worse in the second film. With this yes, special. but it's funny that when you watch a film that you live in, and you see people travel in that city that you live in, and the and how they get to different places, and and I mean to be honest, Killian Murphy's character this kind of drives me nuts. And if I didn't live in London, I'd probably be fine. But you know, he goes across the river because St Thomas is on the same side of the river as Big Ben, so he crosses right. the river and then crosses back to Big Ben. And the way and the and the the way that he goes around to get to to, to Deptford to where his home is, 
I mean, it would take him two or three days just to walk there. Just, <laughs> just, just the rot that he was taking. You're like, God, it's like. And especially he just woke up from a coma. So I'm assuming he's a little bit fatigued. And actually, there's a point where he's trying to get the stairwell and he can't even get up the stairwell, right? So. Yeah. And well, maybe it's because he did all the walking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's kind of like, a, it, gets, it gets worse. The next one, when we discuss that, the, the location thing gets really bad. Right. And we're like, because Isaac and I are going, why the hell are they now? How the hell did they get there? <laughs> sort of thing. But, um, but what I, what is quite interesting about this, if you see anything about the making of the movie, is that they shot that they would have to shoot at six o'clock in the morning, and right. they would stop all traffic and everyone, yeah. and then they would film for ten minutes, and then start it back up for ten minutes, and then stop everything for ten minutes. That's crazy. And they, I think they did did Trafalgar for like they got like forty five minutes, I think, before on a Sunday in London, so they yeah. could get it done. And it's really hard to find to be able to close off anything here without any people. I was around. wondering how they did that because it's so busy there. Yeah, and it, so it's quite interesting. So when you see that, it's kind of like it's a marvel that he was able to do that. And, I, and to be honest, out of the eight million, I would say four million of that was spent, you know, clearing Traffic. that, clearing all that. Well, getting coding and getting yeah, like permission to do something. Yeah. But the hospital that he was in is a real hospital. That none of this is done on set. It's all done on real location. So that's St. Thomas's real. Hospital. They trashed the hospital then. They <laughs> hope they cleaned it up before they left. <laughs> Not like uh, in the apocalypse where they yeah. had to turn the, the ceiling tiles over. <laughs> I love that. That was hysterical. Oh, my God. By the way, can you imagine having to clean up for this film? All that blood? Oh, God. Yeah. But what I do find weird about this film is that they, it's considered a zombie film, but it is not a zombie film. It's what you said it is. It's a disease film. Because the thing is, you know, when you kill the, when you kill the infected, you kill them like you do humans. Right. Sort of yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, you don't need to hit them in the head. They don't keep coming. They don't keep moving. Once they're down, yeah. they're down sort of thing. So, so which is kind of weird that this was be considered a zombie. Because this is what gave, this was also gave birth to the fast moving zombie. Yeah. Which, by the way, I I still have issues. I have more, this gives it more clout because it's an epidemial thing here that it it sort of enhances your rage. I've always had problems with fast zombies or big zombies or strong zombies or any of that. Like, to me, it's like a zombie is like, that's why I have, I guess I have a bigger problem with like the Walking Dead and stuff because I'm like, the fact that people still die on this show, I don't understand because they're slow as fuck. Like, and it makes sense that they should be slow as fuck, you know, like you <laughs> should be able to like take them down. You're a little bit more agile than them. But the the fact that these people are enraged, it's like hyper steroid, hyper, like I, that's one thing I do love about this film is that it, and the fact that it, it happens so quickly. The moment they get a drop of blood, you know, right. all of a sudden it's like within 10 to 15 seconds. Well, it's done. like it gets and in his eye, that corpse, yeah. that, you know, bleeds in I his just eye. Remember, just like, I, boom. I remember seeing that scene too and going, oh, fuck. You know, like, you know, I was you like, what's going to happen? Because you really liked oh. him, you know? Well, I just it's thought like, he was going to get mauled because they do give a little nod to where it looks like something's passing behind it in the car. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that scene, you're like, what's going to happen? Then when that happens, you're like, oh, man. Oh, come on. But then you're like, oh, wait, we're going to get to see someone change. Cool. <laughs> no, yeah. like, you go from, like, you know. But he just, but it, they they go to that. You got that one verdant green, you know, and the the monastery ruin things where they have like that, just that quiet before the oh, yeah. storm, you know, because they found them in that was it a low income apartment high rise, yeah. and I think that their Christmas lights out, and that's what attracted them to it. And they yeah. had all the infected down in the bottom, and 
they had to work their way up. And it's weird though because the car he sets a car car alarm off, and at one point I because I, I caught it this time around because I watched it again yesterday, and I was like. Where the hell are the zombies? Like they didn't hear any of that. Like yeah, yet, yet they see freaking blinking, blinking lights on a balcony, and they're like, ah, you know, like what the hell? Do they hate Christmas? Is that what the problem is? Because look, there's a lot of people who don't feel good. About yeah, but they, but they, they're also saying that they had difficulty during daytime. That they hibernated in the day and they're out at night. I don't oh. like they, yeah, they didn't so, like they, so they could walk around freely during the day. Is at night they had to. Interesting. Because I guess maybe maybe it's something to do with their eyes, maybe the sun sunlight or something. Because yeah. their eyes are all red, aren't they? So I'm assuming yeah. that's something to do with their eyes or so they so they go they go out in packs because that's the reason why I like going into the tunnel. Oh shit, we're going into the tunnel. Because when they're in the day, and then of course once they go in the tunnel, that's when they all wake up and they get Oh, well, it's dark yeah. in the tunnel. Was that during the daytime when they drove the cab in the tunnel? Yeah, they the daytime and all the cars. Yeah. They say, no, that's not a good idea because they come out at they come out. In the oh, dark. that's right. Because then he says, "Well, oh well, we got to go." Like you know, yeah. So he makes that choice. Yeah. I mean, what I quite like about this film is very typically English. This film, it's very English. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's quite and it's quite interesting to see how it translates, you know, across the pond and stuff like that, sort of thing. Which is, I think, it does quite well considering that. I mean, it, it's very English as far as like, you know. I mean, you know. We're living on Plague Island. This is what the this is what the rest <laughs> of the world is calling England at the moment. We're Plague, Plague Island. Island. <laughs> Christmas time on Plague Island, <laughs> chapter two. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but is um so yeah so it's quite interesting. So but um basically the the main um expressway that they go up to from London to um in into go on their way to Manchester is the one expressway that takes you there. There's only one expressway that takes you there, sort of thing. Because England is not a mass land. I mean, the if this give you an idea, the size of the UK would fit inside New York State very easily. Oh, interesting! I never knew it was that small. Yeah, really it took not. us two hours to get to Wales, I think, from London. Yeah, and you get to Scotland in four to five hours. So, and it takes you actually longer to go from New York City up to the tip of to the top northern part of New York State. So. Yeah. So yeah, so so it's interesting to look at the landmass and how you know sort of thing and see it all quite contained. And that's what I quite like about this movie. I like as you were saying before how contained it is. Well, it yeah. is an island. The UK is an island, you know, or at least Great Britain is. So yeah. I mean- and more of an island now than due to Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> you are on your own now. <laughs> we are on our own. It's like Gilligan's <laughs> Island. God save the Queen. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, and it's. And I also quite like the idea. It's like so you kind of see where it's all going, and then of course we do get what we what we always get in every zombie film, or I mean, even though it's not a zombie film, but we do get where man is actually worse than exactly you know, yes, than the actual yeah mindless like or... the army guys that they run into that they think they're going to be saved by, and yeah. you got this one guy that's got a king king syndrome, and he wants to use the the young girl and the other woman as a well, he does have, for but humanity. he does have, but he in a weird kind. But there, there is a weird sense of he's kind of right. If they are the last living humans yeah. on the face, well, of and I think, of, I think of all start breeding. I think of all of them. He wasn't as. I think he is more authoritarian than he was like like the other guy who 
I couldn't wait for him to get ripped apart. Who was just an asshole. And what, right. I mean, he just wanted to rape a girl. Like he didn't give a shit. Like yeah. he, he was like more, there are only chances of surviving. I'm sorry. We have to do this, but we got to do this. Right. And it's like, we, we lured them here and I promise them this. So that way they can still continue to defend. And it's, you know, it would be what a leader should do now. Is it the right thing you should do? No, but like at the same time, he's trying to be a leader versus a, you know, a tyrant, like, oh, well. <laughs> well, then he's got his his pet sergeant out back who's chained yeah. up because he wants to see how long it takes for the virus for them to starve to death, I guess, was the reason yeah, he had him chained it, up. It, and you knew that wasn't going to end well right there. Yeah, which, I mean, if you think about it, though, it is smart to have something yeah. contained to study it, but there no there were no scientists there. So it was kind of like, well, why are you studying? Like, who, you know, there's well, no... Well, they weren't studying his behavior. They, they were just studying to find out how long it would take him to starve to death. So how long will it take before all these people starved to death. Oh, that happened. makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, but you knew it be- wasn't going to end well for that because he kept taunting him. And yeah. I, I guess they didn't really have any, what, what's the, what, any cognition anymore? Or they're just savage. They just, you know, yeah. well, mindlessly they, want it, to destroy. It's, but it's kind of a bit like those people who like have a pet lion and they sit there and they tease the pet lion until the pet lion finally like bites their head off, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is really prevalent yeah, here exactly. in Texas. Or, or you know, the whales when they were doing it with SeaWorld and the SeaWorld, the whale ended up drowning that person. It's like, well, you have them in captivity and you're constantly treating them like pets. They're going to eventually yeah. be like, screw you. <laughs> like, Advertisely, you yeah. know. Yeah. You're now picture that pet. Now. That you, now, now picture what would happen if you didn't feed them. I thought it was interesting too when they take them when they takes uh, Jim out to go shoot him with the other, I guess it'd be lieutenant, and so. takes him out. You see how many people that they've done this to because there's like well, piles, yeah. a, a huge pile of bodies. So you're like, fuck, how long have they been? So you wonder how many people they- you had sergeant farrell corporal Mi- corporal mitchell private jones clifton bell bedford davis and mailer they were all privates yeah and then you saw also too which i don't know if you know that as well like the naked women running were they people that were subjected to this and and at somehow point got away but then got infected and that you know then now they're coming back for revenge which i thought was really funny yeah. I don't know. I've never been a zombie. I don't know. Do you, I guess do you lose that one thing, you know, like in The Walking Dead that makes well, you, you know? Well, they're not zombies, though. They're infected. So, yeah, they're yeah. infected. So, they're not, they're not, so they haven't died. So so the question basically is how, uh, much, how much of their memories are still inside their enraged, infected, infected enraged bodies? Which they kind of like not to go skipping, not to go skipping into the second film, but they kind of not give you a nod into the glimpse of the mind of someone who's enraged. Like with that's they call it rage. So I guess they're technically not zombies; they're infected. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it could be just they're hyperly enraged and no sense of like preservation. It's more about just destroying, not like and because they're not they're not feeding. So that's the difference between zombies and the rage is they're attacking. All they're doing is attacking and, and killing or turning. And then once they've done that, they go to the next and attack and kill and turn. They're and not it, like feasting. And I guess you would probably get, um, it is basically, I mean, I guess the principles and the workings of this is based on mob ruling, mob rules. Yeah. You know, basically is, you know, and if you notice, they're not, they're not attacking on their own. They're all part of a mob. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and the movie at the very beginning when you see what the um the chimpanzees watching and you're watching all, everything's done with all this mob ruling, isn't it? And what people who are what not What was the point to that though? I mean, they had these poor chimpanzees hooked up to watching all this violence. I mean, was that the virus that I mean, is that I mean, was it a biological the, weapon? I mean, that it's, I mean, it's to show how the how the mind deals with watching um what was it an adrenaline kind of thing that they extracted they were they were they had notes upon the in the brain yeah Yeah, so i think what was what they were doing was behind which you couldn't see was they're probably monitoring the brain pathways of to see how it responds so if you're feeding if you're feeding the chimpanzee all these negative images and there's no difference in response versus how they are so if you're already enraged and you have this rage right your brain is fired, right? When you watch something soft, like a cuddly teddy bear or whatever, and your brain is still enraged. It's just, that's your state. So I think maybe that's, that's what they were, were trying to monitor. Yeah, yeah, I think that's all they were doing was monitor. And if you look, the chimpanzee wasn't wasn't in pain. It was just watching it. Well, they were just, it just seemed like they were Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's, so that's what I think it was trying to prove is that normally when someone watches something like that, they're affected emotionally by that and would not want to watch that. They, it just laid there watching it. You know, and what and what they did was is what what you do in scientific research. Um, and unfortunately, we do use animals because people is considered too inhumane. Though I think there are some people we probably start using, but um, <laughs> but um, you know, thing is, you know, like you know, cancer research. You know, you give the animals cancer to figure out how it re you know, reacts to certain things. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, you don't go hunting around looking for an animal that has cancer. I mean, I'm sorry, but you just, that's, yeah. you know, and that's what you do. And I think, you know, and that what they did in this case basically is they found a, the chemical component, what causes rage probably within the brain sort of thing. And then probably injected a couple of specimens in this case, chimpanzees and kept them enraged and basically, and then what you do is then, then you look for an antibody or a way to cure that rage within them sort of thing. And that's what they were doing. So, and so that's what you do um, when you do research, you, you, you do it on multiple layers sort of thing. And it's, you know, it's like one through 10, you have one, you know, one or one, number two, all the way up to 10 and different severities. And then you then you try to come up with a common common denominator amongst those to find a cure. A very mm-hmm. interesting film, if someone ever wanted to do, was to do a similar film that's like this and have it in where the scientist escapes with a vial of whatever that blood is. Right. And then it's the start of this film. Like they're now testing it in the UK to see what it was. So we don't know. We, we just know that the scientist knows it, that this is what happens to him, but we don't know how he learned that, whether that was a human or was already infected. And so they were like, Oh God. And they killed that human. And now we're going to test it out to see. So we don't really know. He just knows that it is something that could, that basically what it does. We just don't get to see that, which I, I think that's a very interesting story and a good a good way to trick people to think it's a whole new movie and then you watch it and you're like oh my god that's so cool it ties into the first one you know well it's a bit like I mean if you want to take you know if you want to look at COVID for instance if you want to look at it in a more realistic way I mean COVID could have started in a lab which basically could have been simple fact like we want to cure so flu never happens again and and then you know then it got mutated into what we have or we want to make sure SARS never happens again and you know if it was born I'm not saying it was born in a lab but if it was born in a lab and then what happens is is then we got what we have now yeah and by the way no one one would want it 
no one would want to own that, right? Who in the hell would want to own be like, oh, sorry, guys, you know, I was trying to do something good, but I screwed up. <laughs> I created a virus and I almost killed everyone. Hey. Yeah, but I mean, so the thing, the thing basically is, though, it doesn't start off from like, I'm going to rule the world. I'm going to create a virus and this is what's going to happen. It starts off, with, you know, a form of good. And it's like, okay, we're going to do this. And then hopefully we have to develop this. So if we develop this, then we can find a cure for this and that will cure this. And then we can make sure that the world kinds without yeah. this. Yeah. sort of thing which and is interesting because they're looking at even now with with uh using hiv to treat cancer because really? it, yeah because hiv it eats it, it basically it will eat the tumor so it is it in itself like if you would create the right environment within the body which is usually you have to kill a person to cure a person which means right. the people that they've known that this the kind of workforce people who have went through bone marrow transplants and and chemo and then to eradicate it they use hiv as a as, an, as a way to attack the actual tumors because it eats the tumor so wow. it's interesting that you use a virus to treat a cancer right but like as Keith said you try these radical therapies because in the one case of the person it was a, it was a child you know who was dying the parents are like had to give consent. Can you imagine having to give your, you know, consent to this to happen? Yeah. But it's like, you have no other choice. Stage four, your kid's going to die anyway. So what do you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's why, I think that's what makes this film quite interesting, actually, because it's not, so it's it's coming from a place of good. It's not coming from a place of evil, the beginning of it. And of course, bad happens because of it. Because they're like, look, let's solve rage so that way people are no longer rage. So let's say, so that way we can live in a world that everyone's singing Kumbaya for the rest of our lives. Well, it had a little known cast, too. That, that, That helped because it made it more believable. You know? Yeah, I mean they all they all went on the bigger, but I mean Killian Murphy's now a yeah yeah sort of thing, but yeah, Naomi Harris was a little girl would be um, actress that kind of graduated into this role, and Brendan Gleeson's now appeared in quite a lot now, sort of thing. So, yeah, I think the only person that was quite famous was probably um, Chris Christopher Ackleson, who do, was in um, he done a couple of Dan, Danny Boyle and he. Danny Boyle films before, right? And brought you, I think, the same one that Brian, um, you and McGregor to the forefront before Train Spotting. Is I can't remember the name of it now, but anyway, it'll come to me. But um, so yeah, but I mean, Christopher Eccleston went on to world acclaim because he was Doctor Who for a little while. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but but I think like overall, I think I mean I think Twenty Eight Days um, Later is a good little film sort of thing. I liked it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely intense. Like you don't feel like most, some of these types of films have these la- a little bit of a lag and I didn't never feel that lag. It doesn't really like it have a lag. Through. Even no. when they take the break at the monastery, because remember they had to take, what was it? The Valium. Cause I wanted to fall asleep. Little girls, please. And she goes, yeah. Oh, you can have half a Valium because, uh, Oh, uh, oh gosh, what was her name now? It's going to drive me nuts. The character. Which one? Selena. Selena. Yeah. She, yeah. She stole all the pharmaceuticals. That's definitely something I would have done. Was stole. All the <laughs> I think that's what most people would do because you <laughs> like, you think about it like what? If, yeah, because what if you do get sick in this world? There's no good luck finding a doctor. So if you can at least you know, I think that's the first place most people go raid. You know, well, at least get penicillins and antibiotics. I, one and of my favorites. The good the good stuff like the Demerol. <laughs> Speaking of the other, my favorite scene too is when they go into the supermarket and everything is just 
pristine and it's so it was weird and i'm like okay but i'm gonna go with this because i think it's kind of fun shopping shows you know they kind of made it look like they just were just cruising through there and just you know getting whatever supermarket sweep (laughs) (laughs) that's what it looked like a supermarket sweep but you do you but you know they, they had that one little lull but they were afraid to sleep though you know, because who's who's going to be really sleeping well in that kind of atmosphere? Because yeah. you don't know when somebody's going to come on upon you. I mean, just the brain fuck you're getting just from the the situation as it well. Is. Even even there's a fire, right? So they're sitting by a fire, and so in that situation, I don't know how the raged people know where people are. I'm assuming it's light. I'm assuming it's sound. It may even smell. So you would, I would think you just want to go somewhere where you can't even just kind of blend in. Right. right? And like, so I I agree. Like imagine you're trying to sleep and you're trusting a a gentleman who's maybe in his late fifties, sixties, who who is a little bit overweight. You're really trusting this man to be like, jump into action and start killing, you know, like, no, I I can't sleep. Sorry. Yeah. If you look at it, I mean, uh, it must be light because, when he went to his home where his parents committed suicide, then he was had the candle in it and that attracted him. That broke him through the. Yeah. That's yeah. why they. Oh, that's the true. Back door. Yeah. That scene scared the hell out of me. Yeah, that was a jumper. I knew something scared. was going to happen. I just didn't know from where. And then when it just. Oh my gosh. That's. Oof. Yeah, that was a good jump scare. I wasn't expecting it. But it's quite interesting also. It does tell you that um, you are the cause of the actions that go on around you as well. I mean, because right. they got yeah. we got that other guy killed, didn't it? If um, but yeah, if he, much, yeah, you know, they, you know, they told him it's like whatever you do, keep the, you know, and he didn't listen, and of course, it got the other guy killed. So why is it that people always have such a fucking hard time listening when they t- like people who know what they're doing, who survived, they you know for as long as they have, it, it takes the a hole who just joins the group to be like, why? What did I do? And it's like you, we just told you not to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're going to have a lot of that in the next film. <laughs> I, know. I know. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so what are your final thoughts, Vicky? On uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, I really liked it. Um, I thought it. I, I like I said, you got vested in the characters, but and the same token, you didn't want to get too vested because you didn't want to like them because you knew that it was probably not going to end well for at least a few of them. And of course, then you got the 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 uh, military guys. Well, it just they just a bunch of douchebags to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just young and stupid. And I guess that the uh, sergeant probably had it going on. But, you know, I mean, who gives him, you know, the uh, authority to decide it's going to be him to repopulate the planet and keep the only two women from Great Britain in his concubine yeah. space mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, it's an interesting film. It's got, I mean... Whether whether you want to call them zombies or infected, I mean they're scary. I mean they're believable. Mm. You know, it, it's just it's it's like a fun movie. I like this kind of stuff though. It's I know, that's why I'm going to like the next one because it's even gorier than this one. So <laughs> that's me though. What are your final thoughts? Uh, I I uh, I definitely love the film. I, I when seeing it again yesterday, yesterday, I was like, oh, I, I forgot how great this film is. It's great, um, it is. I I do love a contagion film. I think zombie films. After a while, I I I like them. But I don't love them. I feel like contagion. It's because I feel like it could happen to me. It could happen to us. Well, it is it. happening. <laughs> no, but I'm saying in the sense like it it is actually happening. If you think from a mental like rage that's happening online or a road rage. <laughs> or just people just acting crazy as F, you know, I'm sure whoever, 
I'm sure when Danny was producing this film was like, had a flash of a memory of someone just acting like a fool and out of control. And he's like, I can make a movie about that <laughs> instead of zombies. It's just crazy people acting crazy. Um, the yeah, world has so, gone crazy. Yeah. And so I think it's like, it's just more you know believable that way. It reminds me of, I also love the movie contagion because that's another one. It's like, I, I know. Movies. I just watched that actually. Um, was it which is no, it was quarantine. 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 That's it. Yeah, yeah. But I've watched contagion too. Oh, yeah, I like no, contagion's one with Amy Adams, right? Or, yeah. Or, yeah. So that's one. I, yeah. But I, yeah, I love this film. Um, I love uh, just the style of it. I actually liked the ending they went with because I know they had alternate endings to this. Yeah, um, I didn't if, see the alternate endings. I don't have the box set. I watched yeah. it on something else. But I would love to see the alternate ending. Yeah, the, so, yeah so one of them There's is... There's four of them. Yeah, yeah so one of them is him dying so he doesn't survive. Right. He saves him, but, and so it's a very remorseful one. And then the other one... The story, well, the storyboard one was interesting because what that one was one where it's like they kind of commit to this new life of just being whatever it takes to survive. Right. So they they end up like getting guns and basically say wherever we go, we're going to stick together and we'll do whatever it takes. So they kind of take on like sort of that idea of what the military would do. So that was very interesting. But you too. were right in your opening statement. The Walking Dead totally ripped the beginning of this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, there's a couple instances actually in that film where there, there was something else that happened. And I, now I can't remember what it was. And I was like, this was there was a line in The Walking Dead. Oh, the military guy goes. So did you have you ever killed someone? Do you yeah. remember that in The Walking Dead? Where yeah. Rick would say to every person, have oh, you ever yeah. killed someone? The three questions. The- how, many zo- how many people have you killed? How many yeah. zombies? And what was yeah. the last question? Oh, God, what was the last question? I don't remember, but can I you, just remember that one. Can you put up with my annoying son? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like my son, Carl? Leave Carl alone. <laughs> He's always beating up on Carl. Not anymore. He's dead. <laughs> Thank God. I might watch I it again. Oh. <laughs> Um, my final my final thoughts um i actually i think this is a, a film that basically um kind of started a whole genre of films that basically lasted from 2002 to the late um, 2010s yeah so this actually um started kicking all that off but i also quite like the it's just it's a two-hour movie and it doesn't feel like a two-hour movie i've seen zombie flicks that were like it 80 minutes long they're painful that, felt, yeah. that can be painful and this is like yeah. this is two hours long and it just moves at a really quick pace and you can't tear your eyes off it well they yeah. had great writing they had a good script for yeah one. and i mean it's danny boyle and alex garland you know and alex garland's written quite a few things since this um alex garland came to the forefront because he wrote the the ultimate 90s novel called the beach Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was the book that everyone had to read in about, oh, I think that was about 1995, 96, where everyone had, you know, this is like the flowers of the attic of the 1990s. Right. <laughs> like everyone is, had to is The Beach, is that the movie they made with Leonardo Yeah, that yeah they made a oh, movie okay. version of the book. Yeah. Um, the book is so much better. The movie version pales a little bit. A little bit. Um, and Danny Boyle, I mean, another thing, he's a very interesting director. I mean, from this, he did Shallow Grave is the one I was thinking of. We do McGregor, which is a fantastic film. And then after Shallow Grave, you know, he went on to do, you know, Sunshine and he's done this. He also, that one with James Franco where he has cut off his own arm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he gets uh, the climber one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Danny Boyle. But Danny and Danny Boyle is a really interesting, Slumdog Millionaire is another one of his. He's a, a really interesting director. And I, I always get quite excited when you see a Danny Boyle film come out. So, but yeah, I think that's, 
I really like this film a lot. And I think that it probably holds dear as far as one of one of the good infection films. I wasn't bored. I mean, I, I didn't feel the need to take a huge bathroom break and make a, a sandwich. Yeah. It's um, also the characters are believable. And I think they're that very in, believable. In this type of a film, it's, it's hard sometimes to have that mixture because you always have that one really freaking annoying character and you just like, oh, but it's, it's sort of like, oh, all this makes sense. Even... You, some of them don't get to linger that long. Like the guy that's actually with um, Selena, I forget what his name is, but as soon as he gets infected, she's like, wah, 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 like, and you're just like, oh, know, she, she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't pull any punches, does oh, no, she? It's just like, no. she's, she's like, like if you, gonna, if you get gonna... blood, I'm killing you within ten seconds. It's like she, she showed you. She's I think it was name was Mark, wasn't it? Noah Huntley, yeah. Mark. Yeah. But the worst, the worst thing about him though is, is that he didn't get bit. He got stabbed. He accidentally got stabbed when he was like going through and he, he was stabbing them, and he accidentally st- stabbed himself. And st- he got bit though. That guy that came through in the kitchen. No, I no, think no, no, it wasn't a bit. It was a stab wound. He, he got stab, a stab wound, and the blood wound, went but... into the stab wound. She oh, did it. She, but she oh, did it. Okay. And and the, what he said was, "How did you know?" And she goes, "Look, I looked into his eyes, and he knew." that I knew he was infected because he knew like, Oh God. And he wanted to wait. And she was like, Nope, we're not waiting. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope. and she was like, you know, get a get I mean, done right now. <laughs> I mean, and that, that's, what's even worse. It's not like he was bitter by the infected is that he had an open wound that got infected because it had an open wound. That's the oh, worst. Okay. You know, think about yeah, it. Why I thought yeah. he got bit. I guess I just oh. missed that part. <laughs> From the co-writers of the Amazon top-selling serial story, Time Slingers, comes a new full-cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, a supernatural steampunk western. Fourteen different characters voiced by 11 professional voice performers. A Korean bounty hunter named Flint finds himself in the middle of an occult plot to steal a powerful relic from an innocent woman. Get me the Iron Spur, and I will show you true power. Caught between the desperate sheriff who's becoming unhinged at the worst possible time. He mutters the word like a curse dipped in sarcasm. I draw my gun and shoot him between the eyes. And the phantom woman haunting his nightmares. The living always think the dead are worse off. Flint will have to make a choice. Confront the sheriff's posse of misfits or run. But he's losing time. An ogre of a man with a gatling gun for an arm. The brash and headstrong Pinkerton agent, Geraldine Abernathy. And a young, speedster idiot ludicrously named Fancy Dude. They'll all converge at the home of a widow who's lost everything but possesses the relic they all desire, the Iron Spur. Damn that trinket to hell. I don't care what it is or what it does or why the Duskfinders want it. I care about my children. Death of a Bounty Hunter. The weird western you've been waiting for. Available on www.deathofabountyhunter.com. Well, that brings us to 28 Weeks Later, which is a 2007 horror film directed by Giancarlo Fazendillo, who co-wrote it with um, Rowan Jaffe, Enrique Lopez-Lavigne, and Jeju Alamo. 
The sequel of the 2002 film of 28 Days Later, it stars Robert Carlyle, Rose Byrne, Jeremy Reiner, Harold Perno, Catherine McCormick, Emma June Poots, and um, Idris Elba. It's set after the events of the first film, depicting the effects of the NATO military forces to salvage a safe zone in London, the consequences of two young siblings breaking protocol to find their infected mother, and the resulting reintroduction of the rage virus to the safe zone. 28 Days Later was released on the 11th of May 2007 by 20th Century Fox in the United Kingdom and by Fox Atomic in the United States. Like its predecessor, the film received positive reviews from critics and many praising the performances, atmosphere, and screenplay. It grossed $64 million against a $15 million budget. So, Vix, what's your thoughts of 28 Weeks Oh, wait, let's cut to the trailer and be right back. <laughs> What happened, Dad? To Mum? Your Mum and I were hiding in a house. And we were, uh... Just trying to stay alive, I suppose. We were doing okay for a while. And then we were attacked. <laughs> Just happy you're still Welcome back to the Literary License Podcast, and now we're discussing 28 Weeks Later. So, Vicky, what are your thoughts of 28 Weeks Later? Well, I like 28 Days Later, and I definitely loved 28 Weeks Later. I thought this one, uh, I don't know why, I thought this one was a little more edgy, and uh, the father of the children in the movie scared the piss out of me. He was scary looking. <laughs> he was just scary looking. But I mean, Dude, it's just... still scared him once yeah. upon a time. <laughs> I know, which I love him, by the way. In that, he's so good. <laughs> I know. But I mean, okay, you got this outbreak again. And they're, what are they living on? Dog Island, I think they call it. Yeah, it's um, Island of the Dogs. It's, it's Canary Wharf. Yeah. And so they put all these people on here. And, and, and OK, you got NATO coming. I think Ronald Reagan once said, I'm from the government. I'm here. To, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. And you know that it's just not going to work out already. OK, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, no, the government's going to help everybody get this shit straight, especially NATO. But I mean, I guess I guess Great Britain at this time couldn't handle it. So I guess NATO had to come in and kick some ass, I guess, and get everything back in order. But uh, it's, it's it talk about the human endurance and human spirit. I mean, this one is 
and, and <laughs> it, it's it's sad. And again, you get vested in the characters, but not so much like the first one. Because, you know, the, the father and me, like, they're, it starts out where they're at the farmhouse. And it's idyllic, kind of, you know, like, they're living, they're having, like, Spaghetti Tuesday, like, The Walking Dead kind of sort of thing. <laughs> and, you know, this kid comes in, and it's just like, well, these, you know, the infected or zombies, whatever you want to call them, follow this kid. And then all hell breaks loose. And then, you know, you have the father of the uh, children. What was his name in this movie? What was his name? He was, was Don. Don, I think, right? Don, Yeah. And uh, Don is just a total shithead. <laughs> His wife doesn't want to leave this little boy that they've rescued. And instead of being the man, he takes off and he leaves his wife there to get, you know, decimated by the infected people who like to just bite you. But the thing is with this movie, and I like this, it, it seems like it, um, they, they kind of pick and choose who they want to eat and they want to kill, you know, or who they yeah. want to infect kind of, at least with this uh uh, the father, Don, because he seems cognitive as an infected. He seems like he knows he's got a mission. He wants his children back. He becomes infected after he kisses his wife, who has some kind of immunity thing going on because yeah. she does survive. They bring her back. And I guess when he kisses her, she, he, that, that's where he gets the infection, which yeah, is really it's in instantaneous. Her, it's, a, it's in her saliva. So. Yeah, so it's instantaneous. And so he just totally like tears her a new ass, you know, yeah. after he turns. <laughs> And he just seems like he's cognitive of the fact that he wants his children. Is that just my imagination? Or do you guys think that he knew? I, I mean, I think it's like a mutation because clearly we don't know how she got out of the situation she got in. Oh, my to. God. I don't even know how she got and out either. I'm assuming that either something about her detracted from, you know, she got bit. But I, I don't know what would have, you know, what happened. Either they or they focused their attention on the child and they devoured the child or ripped the child apart. Who knows? But her surviving it, obviously, something about her mutated it. So now, you know, saliva. You didn't expect her to live because the children wanted pictures of their mother because the little boy didn't want to forget what she looked like. I still was like, that's, I mean, my, I I would say I I love this film, but there were parts about it that I just questioned. Um, <laughs> questioned yeah. The like, how do the kids stuff. get away from a like, military installation? Yeah, and especially the guy who has a, the gun. It took you how long for you to let them go to go get bikes, to don't get on the bikes, yeah. to go across the bridge. And like, I don't know, now this is where geographically, Keith, how long would you think <laughs> for them to get? Seriously, because like- They got a moped though or something. They got a huge well, leeway to get a, to get to where they were going before the military came in and intervened. And I was like- Well, really? the thing is, is we're not quite sure where the family home is in this instance. So, yeah, right. so I mean, if it's, it, it could be, if it's in East, if it's in East London, then it's, then it's just possible. Um, where we're going to come in the difficulty is after, where they're trying to get to Wembley Stadium, and that's right. when it gets, that's where it gets freaking messy. It's like what? Yeah. It's like where in the hell are these people going? It's like, you know, yeah. I, but, I also, um, but I mean, but at that point, we're not quite sure what township that they that they're going to. Well, all she knows so, is that that one they call the Dog Island. That's the, the I, would, I just yeah, think which is that of, which is Canary. That's Canary Wharf. Right. Dog but Island that's the Canary only Wharf. real by location you have kind of part yeah. of it was also and i don't know if it's just it was trying to paint the ugliness of like how people view or just kind of move on from things and and like i didn't like that you know the beginning of this is like 
and here we are at Jurassic Park. You know, like it literally <laughs> is like so cavalier, and we have a pub. And I was like, really? What the fuck? And I like, know the father who is the douchebag to let the mother die is like the I, caretaker I know of some that sort. It's like, you know, it's supposed to be. 28 month or uh, weeks 28 later. weeks later. But that's yeah. not even a long enough time to bury the dead. And people are just like, so, and they're literally walking over the candles. And I was like, yo, okay. Everyone's a little too cavalier right now. I know none of you were probably in what happened and you're somewhere else and you're being brought here, but I would think people will be a little bit more apropos, right? They would just be a little bit like, oh, I'm a little disturbed by what's happening and that's, I think I just had a little bit of the problem with everyone's just chilling out now on their new crib, you know, like he's, <laughs> I bet that's true because they had this really nice apartment or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, I, so I would think maybe 20, if this is 28 months later, that would make sense. That would be, yeah, you're right. It would make more sense. Gave it, to grieve and everything. it felt just a little, um, and I don't know if that was because they're trying to paint Americans that way. Like, we're just like, whatever, we don't give a shit. We're still going to party. We're going to have a great time. You know, but I don't they, know but, if but that's they bred, what it was. The kids come back from America, but I mean, uh, from they Spain. over there for a reason. Yeah. Oh, no, they're Spain? They're Spain, yeah. Okay. That, well, it was school. That, the parents were like, I'm so glad that we made that choice because we sent them there and they were safe. So they, they're kind of alluding to the fact that only London was affected. Or, or at least Great Britain, for that matter, had it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that, but see, that, that's that's where there's a slight problem here from the original because Naomi Harris's character in the first movie, Sister, and says that it, it spread very, very quickly. And she goes, and last we heard, there were sightings in Paris, in Europe, and in America. Right. And then the and then the radios and everything stopped, so we don't know what's going on in the rest really of the know. world. don't really know, yeah. So, so you're kind of going, okay. I mean, I have problems with this film a little bit. Um, I freaking hate the kids. They are freaking annoying. Oh, the kids are annoying as hell. Yeah. 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 And they're they just and they, being kids. You guys just aren't dads. Yeah. But, you know, but the thing is, it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're going through this huge virus thing that's in, you know, it's 28 weeks later. You know, 28 weeks is, well, not that long. I don't I mean, think yeah. kids H- realize, year, though, how. Six look months at, later. Look at here, for, for instance, we had the COVID outbreak. You had everybody in Fort Lauderdale, you know, dumping grain alcohol over their heads. Yeah, but this is not people um, suffering from a rage that's like, that's like mutated and like killing that most of the population is dead from, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Well, yeah. Or, and also I would think that, you know, the mother dying, the kids were just sort of there. You would think they know they have the knowledge that they know that their mother isn't there, that they're being met with their father, but they're, they almost show up. Like they've came back from a road trip and they're like, Hey dad. Yeah, well, I mean, was it, and I was like, what the fuck? Was I, it, okay? yeah. was it was they a little really weird. Say. Like I feel like it should have been more somber. No, they came back. They, they did say they're coming from Spain. So that, so they were, but the thing is though, they, the infected was in Spain because they said that they were living in tents in Spain. So obviously they were they could cordoned have been refugees, off. The, though they could yeah. have been refugees if they're living in tents. I'm not sure, but I mean it, they do give a nod that they're living in tents and that that the living arrangement was squalor. There's so right. much better now that they come home because oh, well, they nice, did get some nice no digs when they tent. got back to the UK. So yeah. So I don't know if they were, you know, I don't know if they were smuggled out at the beginning of it or they were away at school or whatever happened. They were in some kind of refugee camp before they came yeah. back. Yeah. And um, 
so there's that problem. I think I'm not, you know, the kids, the kids are a big problem with me. I think the movie would have been better without them. Um, but, but, but then you not, wouldn't have the father being, you know, you wouldn't have Don. But see, but no, there's but that. I think you could have eliminated the kids and had him part of his, they could have made him a researcher and they could have had him going back and he went back to his home for those memories and found her. So Keith is right. The, the children, aside from, you know, the boy having the weird thing that the mother has and potentially him. Yeah, becoming. that's because he had two different color eyes. So we're saying that. So if David Bowie was alive today, that he was a <laughs> virus. I forgot or, about so, the All Huskies eyes. are fine. Apparently all Huskies will never get this. Yeah. So. And, J- and Jane Seymour would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Dr. Quinn's medicine woman, she, she won't be. Hey, I liked that show. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. It's just, it's weird the children were problematic for a few reasons. They tried and to use them as tools to kind of move the story, the story along. along. And I felt like you didn't need them. I felt like, like you said, Keith, it could have been that he finds her, brings her back and, and they do, they do study and it's him, him trying to protect her. And then that, then what that scene leads to him kissing her. And then it, it creates. Well, those kids outbreak. get everyone killed. I mean, those yeah. kids are the reason. They I do. Mean, they, they every, everyone the that came in, everyone that came in contact with those children died. Every yeah. single one of them. Yeah, yeah I felt especially and sad for what was the, the who even was the, the end guy with the um, even the end of the helicopter pilot who gets them out. He ends yeah. up dead as well. Yeah, those Which, kids by the way, everyone. That was a badass scene, though. I mean, that yeah, was, like, it was the helicopter scene was like okay. With the blades when he's trying to clearly save we know where the money went for this, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> Oh, that was a great scene, though. That was excellent. And another problem I have with this film as well is, is that once they go, once they're like, okay, we're, you know, we need to evacuate. We need to, you know, you know, control, control the outbreak sort of thing. And they put all these people downstairs and the way that they're acting, it's like, you guys just lived through where 99% of the population on the UK basically have been killed off. Everyone that you've known and come in contact with, even if you do six degrees of separation, you've probably got thousands of people that you, that you personally know have gone. And then they're acting like this, like this is just happening for the first time in their lives. The way they were acting is just like, why are you acting that way? He's like, he's well, like, those oh. were American soldiers, though. No, we're not talking about them. We're talking about the people, the actual people living the actual in the town. I just think that also too, when you, I would think that if you're hurting to protect people, you're not putting them in the fucking garage. I'm sorry, but like, what the hell? Like, I get when if something is happening, and apparently the gen- general, you know, code red, and everyone jumps into action. Wouldn't you start locking down corridors to make it harder for that contagion? Well, didn't they do that though? They tried no, to do that. Apparently not, because that father got to them like no problem. Like he. Well, didn't but didn't the little boy let the father in? No, he. Okay, because I saw him outside the door and I saw the little boy looking at him, and he then burst I burst through the door. So my, I don't know. So if obviously, it's not a very good lock. <laughs> so that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's like, wouldn't you at some point go? It had to origin here, meaning we know that the wife was here and this is where it started. So now we're going to lock every single door and push everyone to the opposite of where that is, right? The farthest away from where everyone, it, it just to me was like, okay. And so then when all the lights go off, I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Now let's shut all the lights off. So now people can't <laughs> see where they are. I'm like, what the fuck? 
like, what? no. Well, another no thing is, and then Don, and at, stuff, at the end of the day, like, Don is a caretaker. He's a caretaker. He's not a science biologist. He doesn't, so he, basically he's a caretaker. He cleans, he's, he's a custodian. That's what they say. Oh, so you're a custodian, you're a cleaner. Yeah, then. something like yeah. that. He goes, no, I'm a custodian. So how in the hell does he have free reign to be able to get into the fucking, uh, into see his wife? He can get in anywhere. And I was like, bullshit. And apparently I'm he can sorry. get off the compound when he wants to as well. And I'm sorry, yeah. but we have we have domestic staff at work and they can't get in anywhere. They can't yeah. they have difficulty getting into ITU to clean it. So I, to I, think, I, you're thinking, I, huh? I would also then think that when you bring something from the beyond the wall into this new safe place, there had to be so many protocols in place to bring that. That they, person, they would have the they would have the quarantine yeah. them for like and at you least would put a them you would put them in like fifteen different cages to lock to make sure that that it's safe right for everyone else there and the fact they just kind of leave her in the room there's no there's no scientist there's just some guy who's like hanging out there I'm like what <laughs> but but even but even the people that are coming in from Spain where the kids are coming in I mean they don't even quarantine them either they check their eyes okay you're fine. Yeah. It's like, well, don't you want, you think you quarantine them? I mean, God, we do that with Mexicans all the time. And there's, you know what I mean? Well, no, they do, they do do the whole lot of testing with the drops and all the stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but still, I mean, yeah. you just don't let them through. Do you still want to wait for these 24 to 48 hours? It's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but, it, I know. but, but there's, but there, but there are little things like that. I do think that. They could have paid a little bit more attention, and I do think that they yeah, see the kids in there right. and go, "Oh, I let's do, like let's do the average family thing. man." So that way, you know. And to be honest, I think it's because this was made for an American audience, and this is what it was geared to. Yeah. And I think that if it wasn't made with American money, the first one was made with British money, and this one right. was made with American money. And I think that because it was made with American money and it wasn't done independent like the first one, I think too many of the businessmen got involved in the, uh, in yeah. the making of and it. And I think it was actually reading about it too. I think it was, it was written differently too. And I think it was only after, after the studios got involved, it was kind of like, well, let's, let's actually go this angle instead. Let's develop the family in it. Let's develop Yeah, let's this. put this let's... in. Let's, let's have a love yeah. story, a little bit of a love story, you know, because of, you know, you have to have that. In, well, yeah. there really wasn't a love story. You thought that maybe Tammy is, was it Tammy and Doyle were going to like hit it off, but they no, didn't. No, I'm talking about love between the family, meaning the, yeah, okay. the sister protecting the, the brother and the mother and the, cause there is that heart of the story. Like you want this family unit to get back together again. She's alive yeah. and she's infected. Now, how is that going to, you know, and, I thought they should have shot her as soon as they found her. <laughs> well, well, I thought I she was infected when I saw I, her the first time. She I actually good. do agree that I would have been like the doctor, put her into a space that would you, know, you could study her because she has she is mutated like there's no she's not enraged so you would want to find a cure for me so is that why he seemed don seemed more cognitive as an infected because he seemed like he was on a mission to get those kids so well it was because i mean that was also the coincidence of him finding them down the road I, yeah I, well, I mean, I mean, there's there's a whole there's a whole, there's a whole weird family dramatic d- dynamic going on there. Well, because I mean, let's face it, Don's name should have been Dick first of all. <laughs> basically, Richard, like, because basically, you know, he's the reason why his wife dies. He was yeah. all he cared about his own safety. All he cared about right. was himself. And but then, when, and then when it's in that situation, though, and say, could you? I mean, he would have gotten himself killed. It would have been one thing that if he was within arm's reach of her, or she, you know, I mean, I, 
I well, he did. He shut the door. He shut the door on her right. to get out. First of all, it's not like he left the door open. He jumped out the window and she wasn't there. He shut the door to for the barricade. I, I, I hate to say, it, I kind of would do the same thing. And I think we're his, well. The dick, thank God the we're dick, not in a fucking relationship. No, but I'm saying the, the dick, the dick move to me was that he lied about it. That was to me the dick move to tell. Yeah. Oh, well, she got ripped apart. She died, and then they, she, they're like, what coward. the hell? He was a coward. And he's like, well, I mean, I didn't say she died. I'm like, what the yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what I would have much preferred is something, something happens and the kids show up and then, and then she shows up at the gate on her own accord for sanctuary or to be part of this community. Right. Yeah. And she wouldn't be, I mean, that, that's another thing is like, why is she spending how many weeks eating canned food when she knows when she would have known there's a complex that's going out i mean she must have known she wasn't in her right mind either probably yeah but but to be honest she was she was cognitive she understood i mean when they were talking to her she was able to talk to him she's going what about my kids and she's she could have a conversation when he came in there he goes i'm so sorry and she's looking at him and she says something to him she knows what he's saying well she says i love you so she she knows like she has cognitive yeah she's you know, she, I mean, she was a bit batty because she hasn't seen anyone for 28 weeks. And Actually, that would have been a very interesting film is to have someone who has survived and it almost be like a revenge film, meaning That's she was funny. living in squander and living in this like, you know, this this space and then figured out a way to make herself look blend in to get into that co- that compound to get her kids. Right. And then you realize yeah. oh, shit, she is still infected. But, see, I would have, but I would just have her like fighting her. I mean, not even like living in squalor, just fighting her way back to this community. And then she sees her ex-husband living fine and off the hall, off the yeah. hog. You know, sort of thing is like fuck him, sort of thing, and then and yeah, now and she then, gets enraged. <laughs> yeah, or the simple fact that she sees him and then, and they have like this great big heart to heart, and they have like an argument, and then finally she decides to forgive him, and then she kisses him, and then he she does it automatic, she does it by mistake. Well, that's what yeah. I figured where it was something. going. I thought she was. I don't like think him. she knew she was doing. I mean, because when he started to turn, you could see. Oh God, you know well, she knew. If she did know, she's stupid because she was like tied to a fucking bed. So I mean, like. <laughs> If you're going to turn someone, me, you might not want to be tied before down. Before you yourself. kiss me, can you release me real quick? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, technically, can I have your key card infected. before I kiss you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, okay, so if you have a split eye, then you have a certain gene. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think the the science was a bit weak, a little bit on this yeah. one, but but. I mean, but if you turn your mind off to it, I mean, it's a rip-roaring movie to watch, but you do it have is. to turn your mind off to it because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense that kind of... Yeah. And the kids, I mean, I guess the problem basically is if you're going to follow a story and you want these kids to survive, you need to root for the kids. And unfortunately, I was rooting for the, the infected. Correct, I was too. <laughs> I was like, I hope they get devoured at this point because I really just don't... I mean, after each person keeps dying for them, I was like... Okay. Well, yeah. Like the military guy who's like, I gotta get out and push the car. I was like, oh Jesus! Like this poor guy, like it gets burned alive. Like he's like a little s'mores, you know. He didn't. I guess he had to do that though. If he was gonna be, I don't know. Well, he. I mean, he needs to get. uh, Well, let's face it. I mean, this. Now we're now another problem with for me with this film is living in London and the, the the way that they went. And if you know anything about London, you've been to London before. But they go from Docklands. They go to Queen Park, back to the Docklands, back to um, Tottenham Court Road. Then they go back to St. Paul's. And the thing is, they're all over the place in this map sort of thing. It's like, if, 
there's no way. And they're walking to all these places. Like, you know, if you're walking from Leicester Square to um, St. Paul's, it takes a good hour and a half. But they're they're crossing these great big. You know, at one point, they're they're supposed to be at at Buck. They're at um, Regent's Park, not Regent. They're at, they're supposed to be going to Regent's Park, and they're in Hampstead Heath, which is six <laughs> miles out of the way. I don't where they were. And so, so Isaac and I are going. Where the fuck? Are, I mean, how the frick are they getting? And the, and then and then they're back in the car, and then they're like, and then they go in the car, and then they're back in like um, West End London, and like. Why do they go all the way from Hampstead where I work? So why do they go all the way to Hampstead? And Regent's Park's between these two places. And then, then they end up in the West End. It's like, where in the hell are they I now? I would think, like, wouldn't someone who is, like, writing this go, unless there are locations that you need in order to film, to be like, like, if you said, we're going to go from a compound to a hospital to a you know mall to a whatever wouldn't you say we need to geographically do this right because like people who are from london is going to go what the hell is this like i would think someone we um, yeah i think the the only other film that i've ever saw that was such a misrepresentation of london was 100 101 dalmatians the live action one because there's one you know when he's on that bike ride he's like he goes from trafalgar square to green park and then he's over here and then he's over here and it's just like he made like a complete star before he actually meets up with natasha richardson's character and you're like (laughs) it's like god almighty where does dog run to but it was it's a bit a little bit like that but yeah, so if you're living in London, it was a, that was a bit annoying because I, I mean Isaac and I were watching, going, um, like, what in the what what the hell's going on? I would also like the the way the way that it ends. It kind of doesn't to me as it is. It, I guess it may, leaves you with the assumption that the child that is with them causes a next outbreak in Paris, or is it Paris. that aren't they mutants? Land like and, the mother. They're like the mother. Well, but the mother could carry this. Uh, yeah, get, so the child could carry it too. He, he got bit by his, um, by Dawn. Yeah. Dawn yeah. the dick. He got bit by Dawn the dick. Yeah. And, um, and, and by the way, they, he got, they got blood splatter all over. So I'm assuming the sister must have turned at some point. Because she's, I mean, she's either well, going to kiss him. Or... Did he bite the sister? No. Him? no. No, they go walking off. And they, I mean, they go, I mean, this is another thing. They're somewhere in. In this tube. Well, yeah, they're on the tube, and for some reason, they make it to Wembley, which is like a day and a half walk to Wembley Stadium. (laughs) Anyway, but they make it there in plenty of time. They're walking through the tube state, you know, on the tube tunnels. The tube tunnels are underneath the ground, so it's like, and the infected are attracted to nighttime. What are you doing walking along the? I don't know. Another thing I don't understand is that. And I mean, I'm picking this movie apart. I did enjoy this movie, I promise you. But there's things that really drive me at the wall. The thing is, like, okay, you need to kill everybody because we don't know who's infected and who's not. And then they're like sniper shooting. Why don't you just throw grenades at the everyone? <laughs> It'd make more sense to try to sniper like 50 people in a row. Well, yeah, they probably could have done. I that. play Call of Duty. I know it's harder to sniper people when they're. I was gonna say, I'm like anyone who's a gamer who sits here and goes, "Oh my God, there's no more than like a hundred people." That would have been easily to be taken out. Like literally, it's like, yeah, just throw a grenade at them if you're gonna if you're gonna um, fire them up anyway. Wouldn't you just throw a grenade? You're not gonna start sniping when they start when they go, first of all they go just sniper the infected. Fair enough, you use a sniper gun. But when it got to the point, just kill them all. It's like you're not gonna still sniper them. It's like fine, you just take out bombs and go poof, poof, poof down on yeah, the street. Yeah, exactly. Or again, it, I, I would just think it's it leaves too many questions to ask, right? So the first one, you didn't really have many questions to ask because you were just going along with the story. This because there's almost this like 
perimeter of where things are right and wrong, right? Like, oh, well, we have the military and they're protected and we have this, right? And this, but you start asking questions and, and that's what the problem is with this film. Like, it is a great film, but at the same time, I end up asking all these questions. The, you know the military is going to fuck this up. One way well, well, I mean, that's that's another thing for American military and what we've known, whether you've seen Born Supremacy or any other American military film, you know that they are the what normally is their downfall is the strict protocols that they have in place. Yeah. And this they didn't have strict protocols in place. I mean, the thing is, this woman's locked up. They go, OK, we need to destroy her. Um, you know, we can't let her live. Therefore, she's too dangerous to be in the compound. And then they leave her unguarded. Yeah, that, 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 you know what I mean? Good. And it's like, and it's like, and obviously anyone can go in and see, go in and see the kids who are supposed to be quarantined off and they can go see the wife who's quarantined yeah. off. And they had like one army guy who goes running off. Robert Carlyle bites him and he goes running back and starts screaming at the kids sort of thing. So you're kind of going, what? So it didn't, that's, that's another thing is like, where's all the closed doors, all the corridor shots, all the locked doors that you would yeah. have. But, That's what I'm saying. No- they, say, they say they have, it, it's almost like the, there's also a level of with the army, the over arrogance and cockiness about them because they're all like even joking about, wow, it's so boring. There's nothing to do. Oh, and they're like joking around and like hanging out. And you would think, again, let's wait till we know that there isn't a threat, meaning they feel like there's no threat, but then let's wait till we actually constantly know there's no threat once see, things are back to normal again after but. about six i mean after six months you probably would be a bit complacent but before you became complacent there has still been all these protocols with locked doors and locked yeah doors that's what i mean that, or that, would have been, that would have been built in yeah. until you got to that complacency correct that's right. what i mean it's like that you see you're complacent but then at the same time when when it's like, oh, God, it's not a drill, everyone. Oh, my God, it's not a drill. Okay, now we have to wait. What is the plan again? <laughs> like, I don't know what the plan is. And you're yeah. like, what? <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess I guess another thing, I guess maybe, you know, I work, you know, as you know, I work in a hospital. And my pass that I have to wear around my neck every day has, it gets me from into wards. It has to get me into labs. Yeah. It has to get yeah. me wherever I have to go. And everything is locked off. It's like I can't walk. I can't. There's not places that I can walk around freely except in the common areas. Everything else right. is locked off. So yeah. that's why I guess when I'm watching this. But then again, I I do. So therefore, it's almost like I think the first script for the first movie was very very well thought of, and they thought, okay, do 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 do. And I think this one was like, I don't know. It's almost like it doesn't matter. We just want a roller coaster ride and yeah, just a snake, you right. know, sort of thing. And I guess um. I guess if we didn't have the two films together, it might have been a different. If this film came out on its own, maybe we probably would. I probably wouldn't be ticking. Well, they almost left off like they were going to try to do another one. You know, they are doing another one. They started talks last year. Yeah, it's still on the fence, and it'll be. What is this going to be? Twenty-eight months later. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And this, this, I think, what they're trying to look at is now a global, not just centralized in one area. Or you know, it's going to be it's going to be, this is a bigger problem than what we thought it would be. Right. And so, yeah, I think another thing with this film, I think that might be the, that might put the spanner in the works for this film is that the original sequel was supposed to have Killian Murphy and Naomi Harris and the little girl and where they were 28 weeks later in this compound. And I think because those actors career took off phenomenally well um, after this is that they weren't available 
Yeah. So it's like, okay, now we have to come up with a whole new group of people. And I think that if we had, a, I think if we had the connection between the first and the second film, I think we would have probably had a slightly different script that probably would have worked better. I mean, I also just think in general, having people who had survived the first encounter would have made it felt different because the pro- the problem that I think I just, just had with this is the people that came into that co- compound didn't feel associated with the events of the first movie at all. They just felt like vacationers, like welcome to club, Mo-, you know, <laughs> club whatever, you know, hope you enjoy it. You know, we just had this little incident a couple, you know, weeks ago. I <laughs> hope you guys will enjoy your stay. That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like, <laughs> It didn't feel like, wow, we just survived this incident. It would have been interesting, even if they had an ancillary character from the first one, which I don't know if I can even recall someone else who had survived. But well, I mean, they could have. I mean, the character they could have brought Killian. Mur- they could have brought Killian Murphy or right. Naomi Harrison for a day. A cameo, yeah. And, and and basically just have her like go, you know, working in the background, working in a cafeteria or something, or doing something. Because where do they go? They must have been at this compound. Yeah. This is yeah. the only well, that plane England. was from Finland. It was finished. It was a finished um, pilot. The first one that that was going through. I don't know how Finland got involved with the UK, but no, no. Well, they probably won't now that Brexit's happened. So <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to save your ass. Girl, you're on your own now. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We still got America. They're always there for us. But, uh, uh, debatable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, debatable. But I, I mean, but I will give kudos to the performances. I think the performances are very, very good. Right. Also, yeah. The kids are annoying. I think that I don't think there's anything you can do about them. But well, I, I mean, love Rose like, Byrne, though. Yeah, Rose Byrne is. This I mean, their, she this can't was, do wrong for me. Yeah, I love but this her. was their first movie. You know, oh, interesting. Was it? I didn't know yeah. that. I mean, well, she is, didn't she do series? She did, didn't she do television before? This is before this is before Damages. Oh, okay. okay. This this what got her the role in Damages, that which was her first. Which movie. I love that. Have you ever watched that series? Oh my god, I love yeah, that series. I love that. So good. And then Jeremy Renner, who's now become a star in his own right. You know, this is his first film. Um, Idris Elba, another one who started out in this film, and um, Catherine McCormick. These people all got their start in this film. So it's quite interesting from that point of view to see these people who just started in their career looking extremely young as well. But right. Right. Yeah, because they didn't none of them had dialogue that was annoying. It was I I think it just, you know, to me the the fault of this film is it 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 the timing. It no, it just begs to ask too many questions. And I think sometimes it's I think the difference of the first one too is look how many people were in the first one, not that many. Right. right. If you look at the second one, because there's so many more people involved in the military, the survivors, this family, the doctor, like there's so many elements to where it True. leads you to ask questions when you're in a on an island and you have a a guy who is waking up from a coma that he meets a girl. Well, I love this like, movie, but now that you guys have ruined it for me, I'm gonna have to go back and watch you're it. Like, and it sucks. I mean, next the next time you hear Vicky, you should be like, you know, no. And I won't say that. I don't think it. Oh, it was a good movie. There's no doubt. I, but yeah, it you definitely did raise, gets, takes you on a roller coaster. You do. You, know? you do raise some good questions, though. I mean, you know, those were that was those were good observations, really. You know, yeah. and well, I, I, think, I do love the first scene. And you know, with, I love uh, that. That was fantastic. the first scene was fantastic with them. The farmhouse. Well, yeah, yeah where they're where they're just kind of like preparing a meal, and and there's little said, right? Like she looks at a picture. You clearly see she has children, right? And right. you know, they it, the exposition of that scene was such a really well written. Scene. Then he gives her the heave ho. 
I don't think so. I see. I still take that in, in different because I think in that instance, he could he have say, tried to save her? Yeah, yes. Would he have if died? If that was like yes. a family you know. member, one of my children, though, I would have. I don't know. Something. I would have fought like yeah. hell. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess another thing. I mean, the thing is, is I think what the saving grace of that scene is, is that when he gets to the boat and he's about to see, and then he has to fight them off there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then I mean, one of them probably would have died there. But I think yeah. it probably. But been- one of them does because that guy tries to get in the boat with him. Yeah, and he, and he tries is, to help him too, but yeah. he ends up getting, you know, he gets taken. But they're in so. the water. What? They must have been Olympic swimmers too. These got these infected. I was, well, I was curious about actually it, that character because didn't he get infected? I thought the guy who was trying to get the boat was in. The no, house. he he didn't know what was going on at the house. He was totally oblivious. This character. Oh, I thought was. he was in the house with them. No. I mean, I mean, this is, but this is another thing as well that we got that in the first movie they only come out at night, and now they're out in the daytime. Oh, that's true. They're evolving. Yeah, that's true. Evolving. Well, but no, then again, no. But in the first one, they're they're out at, during the day too. They well, the, well, they're, they're saying that they're that you don't go anywhere at night. You travel during the day. That's the that's the rules of the the first movie. And this right. one, they're kind of. And then I guess another thing is is that you know we have to sit there and say that when Killian Murphy's character in the first one get rescued, we see that they're starving to death and that most of them are died out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so so how so I guess it's a bit, you know. And they said because they said uh, twenty eight days later from the end of that movie, and that's when they get rescued, isn't it? Twenty right. they go twenty eight days later, and then you see the plane coming. Yeah, and this is twenty eight weeks later. So wouldn't most of the infected just been starved to death? No, that's what they do say. They do say they starved to death. That's why they were able to con- to get it under control. All of them had died, and so now it's just a matter of going to the houses and making sure none of them were alive and clearing the houses out and clearing debris and all that stuff. Yeah. Resanitizing to make sure that that's blood. kind of standish a little bit too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so that yeah. I thought was interesting because that makes sense is again, they're not zombies. They're not eating to stay alive. They, they are just attacking and then they run out of nutrition and then they die. You know, they're just like attacking people for shits and giggles. They're just like, very, very about it, it's angry like it's, zombies. Well, so you think about it, it's it's like an animal with rabies, right? It attacks right. and, yeah. and it's, you know. They don't know what they're doing. They just, yeah. they're vicious. They're just doing yeah. on you. Yeah. Or distemper, you know, you think an animal gets distemper too is another psychological. I do think that if, if it, I, and I think this is what we have, this is where we have problems with sequels anyway, whether uh, we have like a small movie that does extremely well and then when they do a sequel, they need to open it up and add more into it. And they, they throw right. so much into the pot that sometimes it's, you know. Too it, many some, cooks in the kitchen ruin the soup. Yeah, yep. it can kind of ruin it can kind of ruin it a little bit. I mean, I think that's why when we, if we, you know, this is not a zombie film, but if we look at, if we use a template for a zombie films like George Romero, I think that's probably the reason why films, that his original trilogy worked so well because he kept his, he kept his crew quite small, his cast quite small, didn't right. he? Whether it's Dawn of the Dead or um, Day of the Dead or, yeah. and Night of the Night of the Living Night Dead. Of living so, they all, mm-hmm. so they all kept his crew, you know, his cast very small sort of thing. Yeah. And I think this one has got so many people that you're trying to work Corral. around. Yeah. They, you know, and then, and then and it does work best when you do get you know, Jeremy Penner's and uh, Rose Byrne's characters on their own. And then that starts right. to get a better again. Of course, it's a bit confusing. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, overall, I mean, it's it's a fun film. It's just that yeah. it doesn't hold up very well next to the, the first to one. The, the first one, that's the problem. Yeah. I think if it came out on its own, it was a totally different animal altogether. Probably yeah, possibly. 
Yeah. I liked it. And I think also just the stylistics of the first one I liked more. They tried to incorporate a little bit into the sequel, but I think if they even stuck with the the darker grittiness of it, it would have it would have helped lean into the what the first one was like to me. I'd be yeah. interested to see what they come up with as a third installment. I think if Danny Boyle and Alex Garland get back on board and it's them. I think another thing is they did farm this out to a Spanish director as well. Right. Who um you know, that might have not had the same assimilation to the English language and the way things are in England right. and that sort of thing. That probably has a thing to it. And, then, you know, of course, whenever studio heads get involved in the banking of a movie, sometimes, I mean, that can make things go sideways. Right, right. Also, which it would be interesting if they do a, you know, you call it 28 Days B and be like before. So it would be it would be a prequel. I think it actually would be smarter to do a prequel than a, than a sequel. Yeah, actually, that that is kind of Cause, interesting because I want to know I want to know sort of if they can. How get, did it start? Or even if it was broader, right? Because we have a conflicting story of the first one versus the second one. That it was here, it wasn't here. It was everywhere. Like like. Well, you know. technically, now we uh, now we all know that it is possible to spread globally something. Oh, correct. Like that, yeah. So there's actually a game. There's a game that is it's it's a simulated game of you know epidemia, like something spread, right. how you can spread, and what causes the spread of a virus and all that, and how it mutates and things like that. So yeah, the pandemic. Pandemic, yeah, that's it. A pandemic, so. Yeah, who does so, it? What we'll do is we're at the part of our show where we're going to talk about both films and which one did you like better and why, starting with John. I'm obviously going to say the first one because the first one to me was like just, I mean, even the church scene and like the priest and. Oh, the yeah, but that with the, the priest. Yeah, you know I what it is? It's like that. the way that it's shot to your, like, I just like that there's a weird cut of sound that happens that it gets really quiet and you see this mad rush of, you know, this person who's infected with the rage coming at them and then the sound just amps up. Right. And I, I think that's something that I haven't seen anyone else use since then. And I think it's a really cool tool to like make you I jump. I forgot about the you. church. That was that awesome. Scene. Oh yeah. And again, it shows you the, 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 it shows, I think we've talked about this before in the past, when you get into a situation where it's an end of the world, you know, pandemic or epidemic that's happening, what do humans do? So minus what's happening with the actual disease and how people are infected, but how do the people react? So you have people who, you know, parents have committed suicide, you know, a church that literally is like, we're just going to end it now and go with God. And you, you know, so it, it like the first one leaves you just to think and ponder on the human decisions. And then the second one to me, it just, I wish it would have had a different story without the kids. I think it wish it would have been a little bit more, you're still trying to figure things out, but at the same time, the more people interacted, the more questions you asked. So kind of like season seven of the walking dead, you're starting to get disappointed. <laughs> no, I, I mean, even I gave up, I gave up on that too, because I don't, 
and you knew that there, you got to know too much of a relationship because they were going to kill them off, right? And sometimes, like, not... I, they, nobody knew that these. they were going to kill all the main characters off that last season, though. That was that just came as, like, whoa! They just well, said, I mean, going to die, and that's, that's what they did. We're like, holy shit! Kill them all before they ask for a raise. It's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> formula, though, because I feel like it's just, you get to a point where let's, how many more people can we kill? How many, oh, we can kill these seven people off. We can, you know, and it, it just, like, like... Glenn, were you watching it when Glenn was under the dumpster he was like five six months everybody was trying to figure out if glenn was still alive and how with a slide rule could he still be alive under the dumpster well not acquiesce that's why i stopped watching that show for that reason because you had such a a character that endured so much and went through so much and you still gave him the fate that he didn't the comic books gave him that thing and so like in that instance like you know with this type of film you know i i loved the first one, because you really didn't know. They if made a comic survive. out of this, I believe. They well, I think they made a graphic one, right? Graph, graphic, yeah, graphic novel. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah so there's a possible sequel. You guys weren't kidding me. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely the first one or the second one. But second was so good. If you want the whole Hollywood amped up version of the first one, you get. Yeah, you, Hollywood tends to screw independent film. It just I amps it that. up. It amps it up. Like, oh, let's put them in the dark. Now let's put a helicopter and let's not like it's always yeah. amped up to what it needs to be, you know. Well, the one helicopter scene was good though, where it's like the blades are like chopping. That, that was the best part about this. I think the sequel was that helicopter scene and just like long. I thought he was going like, to crash. Was I was kind of that was yeah that made me happy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what about yourself, John? Are you asking me? Um. <laughs> Um, me, about, it's me. Oh, it's yours. Oh, so sorry. I can't, I can't That's all right. I know y'all just ignore me anyway. No, um, uh, I well, I like both of them equally. But now that you guys brought up stuff that I didn't really, you know, equivocate in my little brain uh, on twenty eight weeks later, I yeah, there were some things that you know the kids. Well, without the kids, I think you couldn't have had crazy Don who had some kind of weird thing going on for his family. I don't know if he was a different kind of strain, you know, cause we all know viruses deviate. So, I mean, but I thought he was, I liked it because of him, because he was an intimidating looking countenance in this movie. That's why I liked this one a lot. He was scary. I mean, just seeing him in the dark, he was just the, the persona of evil and I'm going to jack your ass kind of stuff. I mean, he was just scary looking. I mean, if I saw somebody like that, I would probably pee my pants if something like that was charging me in like the New York subway or something, you know? But I mean, he, he was the, the best part of the movie. I like Doyle, you know, like, and I liked Rose Byrne in this too, because she was really good in this. Um, she, you could tell that she definitely was going to show promise in this, but the first one, it was, it was the beginning. And I, and I will give you that. I mean, the beginning, like sequels always tend to fall by the wayside. Like you say, when you get big money in it and stuff, they do fuck up a film to put it bluntly. You know, don't Hollywood up the movie too much in an independent film, especially because they do screw it up. But I mean, I think they're both great. I mean, if you're into that, you know, in in the infection, you know, quarantine, you know, flu type scenarios, it's actually they're both actually great movies. I've watched them two or three times a piece and I still love them. Like I said, I like Don. Don's man. He's scary. I've just told the first time I seen the ad for that, I, I was watching it like 
that was like Amazon, you know, they run the ads sometimes for the movies and they just showed his face and it's like, Oh God, that's scary. What is this? You know, it's funny. But, it's funny that he plays a coward and he ends up landing the role on once upon a time vicious. and Rumpelstiltskin, his character, how he becomes Rumpel is he's a coward and he, right. he makes, he takes the, the lower, lesser rural uh, road and it yeah. ends up becoming... He definitely did not take the high road. He was a coward. I mean, if that's your wife, I mean, I don't know, you know, much about relationships. Well, if it was my ex-husband, I would have said, fuck him too. <laughs> but, but, but or your children, you know. They were just smooching and <laughs> preaching their undying love and he just throws her to the, the, the wolf. It would have been an amazing scene if he was running and like he actually picks up the cat and saves the cat and leaves her to die. <laughs> <laughs> But they were both good movies. I, I mean, I've like I've said, I've been in my little Facebook horror groups and stuff, and we were talking about them. And a lot of people love these two movies. They really do. They think they're great. So it, it, they're great movies, you know. People, you, you watch it, you won't be disappointed. So, I mean, for me, I prefer the first one. The reason why I prefer the first one is because you kind of you have your you know you have your prologue, and then we we pretty much are living the life of the Killian Murphy character and you're seeing everything right. through his eyes. And so you're waking up into like this odd world and then, and, and you're going through the whole motion. So you actually feel like you're doing it yourself sort of thing, which I quite liked. Um, and that's, that's why I quite like 28 days later. Cause you, you know, you kind of living the experience along with the main character and you're, and you're along with the main character. It's very rare that you're actually seeing anything without the main character <clears throat> right. sort of thing. And I quite like yeah. that. The second one, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's fine. I think that it when you I watched them back to back, which I think that if I didn't see them back to back, I might have more of an affiliation for the second one. But I do find that there's no one I really connected with. It's like okay, I like the violence, I like the gore, and I like I like the set pieces that are in it. But yeah. as far as the whole film, I couldn't. I wasn't really invested in any of the characters. I could, I couldn't care if any of them lived or died. Oh, I either. didn't really care either. Everybody was, you know, expendable in this movie. I mean, I didn't form any massive allegiance to them. I mean, I think the only one that I like was the doctor. She was the only one that I was like, oh, yeah. She, but there, there, there's some things in it that don't make sense. Like, you know, I mean, one of the another thing that bothers me about this film, and the thing is, you know. I watch Dark Shadows, so you know I'm, bloopers go on around me, and I don't notice them. Okay. Well, they're so but, numerous in Dark Shadows, that's why. Yeah, wait, but I'm saying blooper, that. Wait, uh, what blooper? Now I'm not curious. No, you... but no, it's not bloopers. But what I'm sitting there saying is that I tend to go along with it and not notice anything. And if I'm involved in the story, I can I can oversee and I don't overthink. This one made me question a lot of stuff. When that, yeah. and that's why that means I'm not that means I'm not lost in what I'm watching. That means I'm actually kind of I might be slightly yeah. bored. So I'm start questioning yeah. things. Well. That's what happens. You get pulled out of the film. And that's what I, I try to tell my friends when you become, you start to analyze films. If a good film doesn't allow you to get pulled out of it. Right. So if you're always questioning, you're now taking a step back and trying to figure out, well, what is this and why is this? Yeah. And I had, and I had this problem when I saw this at the theaters as well, the same problem with this movie. So it's not, not because we're doing the podcast. I've always had a problem with, yeah. with this movie. And, you know, like for instance, like they're going down the escalators, right? And then the kids fall down. The, so they go tumbling down. Where in the hell do they tumble down to? Because they're like miles away from anyone else. Where, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, if you tumble down a staircase, you're at the bottom of the staircase. You don't go tumbling out into the tunnel. Into I mean, the you know, yeah. it's, you know, it's just little things like that that kind of like, kind of just kind of irritated me a little bit. So, and I said before, I think that, you know, if you're going to have, you know, I, 
I think if you're going to have a protagonist in a movie and, you know, for whatever reasons, you're good. You know, I know that, you know, he saved himself and stuff like this. But then how are you supposed to feel about him when he gets his children back? And, you know, and this situation happens to him because, like, it's kind of hard to feel a little bit of remorse for this guy. Yeah. Kind of, when he gets bit, you're thinking you fucking deserved it. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you don't think. feel sorry for him at all. If anything, you're like, you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're just like, you're an idiot because well, you're... I didn't feel sorry for him at all. No. He was he, yeah. he left his wife but, to die. You're supposed yeah. to... He was but, just... then, but, but, then, but then you get the kids who actually caused all this stuff to happen. And then and then they're supposed to be rooting for them. But the thing is, like, they should have died first. To be honest, they should have been, you know, when they because they snuck out, they should have left them fucking outside the compound because they're, they yeah. just endangered everyone. Yeah. 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 And, and why would you take someone who's obviously infected and bring them into the compound anyway it's just little things like that that always yeah. niggle with me yeah. but well, i, I think know, they but, wanted to study her i guess well study or whatever the thing is is yeah there's just a lot of stuff in this movie that for me personally unfortunately i find difficult i thought i would also think too they would That's have why. honestly would have gunned her down they wouldn't have asked hey are you a lot no they would have been like kill her <laughs> they yeah, would have they would have gunned her down and been like, sorry, you know, we don't know what you well, are or what it especially, is. Well, especially like the kids come running out of the house act looking like they were just being attacked. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then and you know, blonde hair kids who look like um mentally retarded um reproductions of Charlie Bucket from Willy Wonka. <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's like yeah. All, all Keith was thinking about is a little boy from the road. Papa, Papa. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, shit. <laughs> he irritated me as well. And and the sister irritated me because there's nothing there's nothing appealing about them. That's the thing. Is just, yeah. You know, if you need if you're going to root for people, you know, I, I mean, to be honest, I was rooting for the infected most of the time. Same. So Same. It's like, oh, who the, let's see the infected kill other people. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to see. And the thing is. The other film, it was, I didn't want the infected to harm these people I care about. And when the father gets infected, I was like, oh, no. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, a bit like Anna and the Apocalypse when um, the character gets bit. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, no. And, and, you know, and that's what you want. And this one is like, oh, just kill them fucking all. I don't want, I just want to see carnage. <laughs> And that's my problem with 28 um, Weeks Later. It's a good film. I mean, it's, it's better than a lot of other um, right. films out there. But if because they're they're one of the same. This is kind of like, you know, it's like the Omen trilogy. I like Omen one. I like, I, I love Omen one, Omen two. I do like, but the third one was like, eh. yeah, I'll agree <laughs> with you there. I can't even watch it. I, I yeah. watched it maybe once or twice. And I, yeah. I, I, I you could see Sam Neill's naked body a little bit, but that's probably I just, the only yeah, big it. deal. <laughs> Yeah. I like it. I like it when she's starting. To, like she's taking the iron and she's killing her baby with the iron. I quite like that bit. But anytime right. you're killing babies, it's <laughs> yeah, that funny. was pretty cool. I have to admit, I forgot about the iron scene. She's sitting there, just yeah. yeah, yeah. She's ironing her husband's shirt, and all of a sudden, she just Stepford wives it and goes over to the thing, just hits the baby with the hot iron. Yeah. My maternal instincts only go so far in horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it is 28 days or 28 weeks, your crew at the Literary License Podcast is always here to continue to provide you with some contagious content. As a reminder, you can head on over to our website at llpodcast.com to check out all of our social and podcast platforms, listen to all of our past episodes, become a patron, and sign up to our monthly newsletter to read our reviews of books to screen and everything in between. 
Coming up on our next episode, the team will give you their bloody reviews of the Dark Shadow series. As always, we'd like to thank you for downloading, liking, and sharing the Literary License Podcast. Stay safe out there, folks. Bye. Bye, buddy.